All right, we're back. No Max Effect, the J.R. Todd. Sean Langdon, and we got a special guest this week. A to the B, <laughs> Antron Brown. What can Brown do for you? I wish I could. I need some UPS. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool, man. Uh, we've got Antron Brown on the show this week. We've, uh, we've had a couple guests the last couple weeks, but we're continuing the tradition. Got Antron Brown. Obviously, uh, Antron, Antron, one of the best in the business, so... We're hoping we can get some good insight this week. Three-time world champion. Three-time. Oh, Three-time. Hey, lucky to draw, you know. You got to have the right people, right team. Yeah. And I had that. I had that. And that's what we're trying to build right now for sure is get back to that caliber of team. Yeah, well, you guys, I mean, you, you basically have majority of the team that you had before, right? Um, I mean, you, you guys promoted up uh, Brad Mason and you have Mark Oswald and majority of the group. Absolutely. And then uh, we had Kyle, who was our cylinder hair guy, move up to our car chief. And the coolest part is we brought in a new kid named Tyler Allison. It was a junior dragster, just like both of you guys were. Extraordinaire, man. Just triple-A throw down. And, uh, and he, had a, he had a rude awakening when he came to Nitro, man. Like, <laughs> like junior dragsters and racing pro-stop bike, pro-stop car. I mean, it's a science. But when you go Nitro racing – you get thrown to the wolves because it's nights of endless work at the racetrack. It's a different type of work. Like, you know, normal Asprey vehicles, all the work's done back at the shop. Exactly. You work seven, 12 hours. You work like 12 hours a day on making horsepower. You can race nitro. You worked in 12 hours at the racetrack. Yeah. And, uh, Sometimes at the race shop, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, it's, you gotta, we got to give these guys a lot of credit, all the crew guys, because not only are they working at the shop every day, they're driving the rigs to the racetrack, setting up, working on the car all weekend long, and then loading up, and then heading back to the shop to work some more. Absolutely. And you know the biggest part? I'm glad you talked about that, SL, because you know how we all look at the crew guys, right? Like, I know how valuable crew guys are, right? And, and the sad part of it is when you look at where our sport is now to where, where it came from, how does crew guys today make less than they did back in the 90s? That's a... Uh... That's a good point. Uh, some of them, for as much as they work, they are way underpaid. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, honestly, like I see some guys make 40, 45, 50. Man, I'm like, come on, Daddy-O. You could work for UPS, man. Like you say what Brown could do for you. You could work for <laughs> UPS and make 50 grand, but you drive around a million dollars worth of equipment and get paid 40 grand. You that's, where, I mean? that's where the love of the sport comes into. I mean, you, a lot of our guys are living at a crew house. It's like a frat house. Yeah, back in the college right. days, you know, and like, like you said, they're not making a bunch of money, but they're working their ass off and definitely doing it for the love of the sport because oh. uh, long hours like that. I mean, I, I did it for a few years and I feel like the, the work has gone up since then. I mean, what they're what they're doing and putting out and it's pretty incredible. Well, yeah, they got the turnaround times now. You know, when we go when we go live on TV, we're on 50, 55 minute turnaround. Right. So we've had to add crew guys for that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, all the parts, I mean, everything that we've put on the car, we just put more stuff on the cars. And and uh, I mean, I think with like how they're rebuilding everything and I mean, it's just every round you're pulling apart, putting back on. I mean, it's it's constant effort on those guys part. Well, when you look at it and you think about everything that we do, think about when we first start racing fuel racing, how now how we dissect every other thing like the reason why the cars go down the track more the reason why the cars are more reliable they're more consistent is because our process has got that much more like 
difficult. Like we do a lot more things before we just oh let's throw a blower on it, put this blower overdrive on it. Now exactly now is like You're oh rebuilding them every run. We want yeah. that same blower all day long. Keep yes. running that bad boy. Yeah, and and, they're, and they put a temp gun on the on the blower pulley and on the blower and, and all the different stuff to make sure it's the right temperature so they know they don't see it when it goes down the track. It's like all the extra work. Right, like the work has quadrupled from what they used to do. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's it's a tough job. I mean, I, I uh, you try to help them out as much as you can, but these guys, it's it's crazy to watch how good these guys are when they're when they're working together because it's like one man one man's in, one man's out, and they're just kind of you, you try to a driver, you'll try to go in and maybe try to help them a little bit. You're just in the way. You just get point. in the way. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like orchestrated ballet. What they do, you can tell how much hard work it is because a lot of them, especially the young kids, like after a few years, they're over it. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, when I first came into the sport, like, John Forrest seemed like he had the same crew guys for, like, years and years and years. Like, you knew them. Like, it was like a big family over there. Now it's just, like, kind of like a revolving door. Like, they're over it. Yeah. 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 I think you see that with a lot of different teams. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a lot of days on the road. Yes. Right. A lot yes. of time spent away from family. That That's, the, I feel like, the great thing about Coletta Motorsports is – they got to have some sort of incentive to keep guys in Michigan because, you know, we're not in Brownsburg where teams or guys can kind of bounce around the team to team to where in Michigan they got to keep you there. And that's, they don't have a big turnaround, which I can think says a lot for what they're offering guys. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So give us a little insight on, on your year. What, uh, I mean, you, you've had some changes on your crew, uh, but I mean, you've, you've had a, a good year. Yeah. I mean, our year hasn't been bad. And, uh, thing about it is a lot of people it was so funny because in the beginning of the year like we came out Pomona we did fine out the box in Pomona you know when we went to the semifinals and we just lost because we just got too aggressive and then everybody was like well what's going on like they're not winning races not doing this but that was our whole race team as a group we came on to some things that we had some different issues like with things that's blowing up and we had to cater to it like a lot of teams had that going on and uh just getting used to the track situation and then we found some faulty parts that we had that we got from some other manufacturers that we didn't make ourselves. Right. And uh and and that's the hardest part is like when you race for like Coletta or you race for Schumacher or Force, a lot of us we make all of our parts in house. We all know that. Yeah. And we do that to control it so you don't have mishaps. But then when you still buy some of your parts outside vendors and you have those little hiccups and you have to weasel it down to find out what it is and we went to four races where we dropped a hole and our car just blew up for no reason like our car never blew up like we went like three years in a row like with two blow-ups and we blew up like five times in three races <laughs> so we're like whoa you know what i mean and so so we started mark oswald great engine guy engineer guy and he just start breaking it down start figuring out what it was and then brad put his head down to it and then once we started doing that, and then Kyle, being a cylinder head guy, started digging into it also. And then once we found those issues out, then we are able to get back on track. And then we robbed our whole tune-up. Like, we changed our whole tune-up where finally, like, the Army car and our car, they're almost identical. And we're able to work off each other. And we're able to work off of, like, you know, with Todd over there and Smoking Joe on Leah's car. So we're starting to work all together. And you're starting to see our teams getting better and we're getting where we're at and we just need a little luck to go our way now now i feel that we're very competitive we could drop low et we can 
go different stuff, but we just got to get our bearings right where we don't get too aggressive. And then sometimes yeah. we back off too much. We just got to get the right level to get that equation because we are running the car different, but it will be better in the long term. But isn't it funny how you kind of see like when you have bigger teams like, like with what you're on, but it's like you'll have the car that'll kind of lead the pack for a while. And oh, then, yeah. And then the, the other two team cars will kind of start – you know, picking, dissecting your car, like, okay, what are you doing? And then they start changing some things to that. Well, then a couple of race la- races later, seems like they get the advantage. And then you kind of change your stuff around a little bit. So it always kind of seems like a, it's a constant, you know, moving stuff around of, of trying to figure out from different cars. I mean, I know, you know, like us, us and JR, you know, we're working together and, you know, we're, we did a lot of things that JR's done to his car. So it's, it's kind of funny to see as the season progresses, you may not have your same tune up that you, you started the year with. Yes. As the years progressed, I mean, with a lot of the changes that have been made with the track, with, you know, different tracks mm-hmm. that you've gone to with the track prep, you have to run things differently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To me, that's where, like, the crew chiefs, it shows, like, how they think different. You know, like, well, we're going to take his tune up, but I want to try my little spin on it and see what happens. And, like, oh, that worked. Well, then you go back to his crew. Like, well, yeah, let's kind of do what they're doing and put our spin on it as well. Right. It's, it, isn't it amazing? How you can get all these different teams, different crew guys, and and everybody preps things just a little different, like to their own comfortability, like you know their their comfort zone, and yet we still go out during race and race within a thousandth of a second of each other. <laughs> we, isn't we there, isn't yeah, that ridiculous. We mentioned that last week how the cars are so different, you know, team to team and crew chiefs and like the way they do things different. But at the end of the day, like you're talking thousands of a second, they're that yeah. close. Yeah. yeah, like I mean. This guy's got this wazoo cam. This guy here runs lower compression, more blower. This one here runs high timing, no compression with a lot of blower. And everybody does all this stuff different. This one joker might run 88% nitro. This other one right. runs 89.8, 89.5. Some guys will have five discs. Some di- guys will have six yeah. discs. Yeah. Like, like, you know, it's like, it's like, I guess it's just like, but at the end of the day, there's only one package that's, that's going to be efficient and wins the race. And that's right. what we that's what we figure out. That's why we run these races. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It seems like whatever you do different, like five discs to six discs in the end, like it evens out somewhere on the track. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Five disc rips early in the run, but we make it up on the back half with a six six disc basically. Right. Yeah. And you see a lot of yes. like the dragsters. There's a couple dragster guys. I mean, they, they just 60 foot like oh, a bat out of hell. Oh, Lord. Oh, but then, yeah. but then you'll see the other guys that don't 60 foot like that. They really make it up in the middle yep. of the track. And yes. Somehow, some way. It comes down to a couple thousandths of a second at, at, at a thousand finish, foot. Like we always say, it's got to breathe somewhere. It right. can't haul the mail every increment. It's got to breathe because if it doesn't, it's going to throw up. But this, this is going to be the good thing. And I'm glad you talked about five discs and like six discs because this weekend in Charlotte coming up, the high is 72 degrees. I saw that. Track's going to get tight. It's going to get like triple A throwdown <laughs> is what I call it, right? Yeah. And you know what happens when you run them five discs, when the track gets tight, <laughs> I know we used to run our top fuel car with it. And yep. when we got there, you're like, you're on a fine line because you got to have those flows going fast, got everything going right. And you want this certain amount of wear for it to work right. But then if you don't feed it fast enough, it'll nuke the clutch out the car. Right. Then if you feed it too fast, it locks up and don't wear no clutch. You don't go nowhere either. Right. So this is going to be really interesting. That's why I'm saying like you got three races left. Now, everybody in Switch, the tracks were hot that we've been racing at, like, not cool. Right. But now it's about to get throwdown. Now it's a big curveball. But, 
it was a little surprising because last weekend in Dallas, mm-hmm. I thought per the conditions, per the temperature, the track temp, we were make the guys were running good, really yeah. good. I mean, for you know, 115, 120 degree track, oh, yeah. you were seeing some mid 370s in the dragsters. You were seeing some mid 390s. I mean, heck, Tommy went that 391 on a fairly warm track. I think I, I don't know what what changed, but I think that. All of a sudden, the guys, I don't know if, you know, they're prepping a little differently now or if just the teams are figuring it out that much better. But they're per the conditions, I'm going to venture to say that they were probably four or five hundreds quicker than you would normally suspect. I absolutely agree. Right. Yeah. The air wasn't that great either. So Mm -hmm. it seems like some of the places we're going, like the track surfaces are also a little better than maybe where we've been back this summer. But also, I would say a little bit of both of what you said. The crew chiefs are getting a handle on And the track prep has got to be more consistent because more cars are going down the track now. Like, you're seeing good side-by-side racing yeah. where you weren't this summer. I, I definitely think that they have definitely got something. They're getting into the groove of it. Like, I think the main thing is, is not just the way they prepped it before we race. I think they're doing a lot better job before we get there with a pre-prep. And I think where that's where it really sticks yeah. down to, and we're having a lot of sportsman racers racing at the tracks we've been racing at earlier. They're not just running on Friday; the sportsman racers have been running on Thursday. And that I helps a lot. That helps out huge. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we come there, because St. Louis was throw down too. Right. St. Louis, like it was hot all day long, and they were running. Everybody's running mid seventies yeah. all day long and high nineties and mid nineties throughout elimination. So, Stayed good. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to be here on out. I, I believe. Oh, I think so too. I the only I think kind of uh, tricky thing that might come into play is we got a little bit of weather coming up into Charlotte during the week. Yeah. So you got that hurricane coming up, depending on what direction it goes. But I mean, if it's going to be raining for three or four days, and then they got it, they're going to have to scrape it all off on Thursday. Right. Oh yeah. So th- that that may have a little factor in it. The only concern I see. That I've noticed, you know, with the new track prep track prep deal is like when it's cloud cover and cool, like that tends to like shy them a little bit on putting some glue on the track because they know that we can throw it out when it's like that. So, yeah, I think this will be the real test this weekend on what they do. Yeah, Charlotte can get real fast, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Weather, sea level. You're right there by the ocean, not too far from it. You know, so it's definitely a fast. I mean. Records were broke. The first three nine nine funny car run there. Yeah, right. Tommy yeah. D. T- yeah. TD in the house. Uh-huh. You know, so <laughs> that track is definitely fast. It has always been, you know what, that track's always been quicker and faster for a funny car than it has been for dragsters. Cause Why dragsters, is that, you think? I always thought that it had so much bite where it hurts a dragster. A dragster needs to be a little bit more freer. Right. Where a funny car, it, it gets downforce, but it's more slicker in the air and it loosens up more. And you can actually get after it earlier. Well, we get after it earlier. I think we're just bogged down. Like, like we can run high 60s, but I've never seen somebody like run a 63 or right, 64. Right. We ran 67 and 68 there, but we ain't going to run no 63. Right, like it, you're stuck too early. Yeah, it's just, it's just glued down, just slowing too much friction, slowing the car down. I'd say Grubby will give it a good test this weekend. <sighs> that car's fast. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Everybody thought it was all fun and games. When they were, when Grub used to go out there and smoke the tires like three out of four runs, right? Like, what's he doing? What's he doing? Then when that jerk got hooked up, everybody goes, "That's what he's doing. He's figuring <laughs> it out. <laughs> he figured it out." Yeah, because now they're starting to make those runs in the heat. That's where yes. they struggled before. They could make you know Q two yes. round one, 
those were typically, you know, when the track was better, that's, they were always a couple hundreds quicker making great runs, but now they're starting to get it figured out the heat. Yeah. That, that car accelerates really hard early, but they're getting it where, <laughs> where now they're kind of controlling the tire smoke a little bit. Oh yeah. And, and, and they've learned how to hone in and how to make the car go when they want to. If you look at all the increment sheets that we get, like in the heat of the day, they're not 830, 820s no more. They're right there where everybody else is at, 840s, 850s. Like, he knows how to put the car where it needs to be for mm. the track condition now. Like, he's now he's playing that game of pinpointing what he wants to do and knowing how he wants to do it. Yep. So when you can start getting that feel. <laughs> when you start getting that confidence. Yeah, right. Absolutely. When you see that crew chief walk to the start line with that little swagger. That's it. <laughs> uh-uh. That's it. And, and Clay always had a big smile, but that joker got a Kool-Aid smile now. Yeah, his, <laughs> his, his face is hurting now. <laughs> uh, he's got permagrin. That's right. Yeah, he's having a good year. Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, so, so, uh, so I'm looking at the points right now. So you're fifth in the points. You, I mean, even though, so looking at it, you're 247 out. You still mm-hmm. got three races to go. There's, there's still a chance. I mean – you you got two races. You got Charlotte. You got Vegas. You guys always run good in Vegas. Yes, always. Yes. And you go to Pomona where you have points and a half. There's a chance. It's it's always a chance. And and we just we just man, it, it kicks it kicks myself in the butt because the first two races that countdown we were right there and we just did like misdraws, like cars running great misdraws, and that's all it takes is one misdraw. You got to be at the right spot, right time, and capitalize. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're looking at Torrance right now. He's in all the right areas. Car's running good. You know what I mean? And I know what it feels like to do what he's done. I've done it. I've done it twice like he's doing it right now. Right. Done it twice like that. So it's just like I was like they're in that zone, and they just end up in the right spot every time. Right. Well, they, they qualify well. Yes. They're always they're always in the top, seems like, top three or four. Yep, right? and, and that's where you got to be. And so you you get – you kind of position yourself. You don't – you in a sense kind of create your own luck a little bit. Yes, Not you saying do. that they're lucky because they've no, they've, good. they've had a dominant car. Absolutely. But you you get those rounds where you have a little misstep, like for instance when they're in Reading, they uh-huh. have Salinas. Salinas gets yep. a little bit of a reaction time advantage, but he drops a cylinder down track. You know, Torrance goes around and by a thou. Yes. So, but you get that one round that you need. That's it. And you just happen, you know, and then now you're not going to, you know, Hogan's got such a good handle on the car. He's not going to make two mistakes in one day. No, like they're no. forcing the other people to make mistakes against no. him. Right. It's, it's the old AJ effect. Correct. Like, like car runs so good. You just, you just fall, you just fall in the zone of, of doom. You get what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I, I remember all them days. Like, look at Tony when he won all his championships. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on, man. I mean. That thing, that thing's running so good, you just kind of put it as a bracket card, just hook up the battery charger, put fuel in it, and let's go. Right. Yeah, like, like, you know what the funny part was? I, I look at different deals, and I look at all these different championships, and I look at different people, how they won, how it came down to the wire. I never forget when Tony and Doug Clay was running for a championship, and this was years ago. And they raced the Skull Shootout, and it was in Vegas. I was racing bikes back then. Tony slapped the throttle. And I was like, Doug's finally going to win. He had to pedal it. He had to pedal the car. <laughs> right. He slapped it, right? Doug is full boogie, arched up. Rome. Doug goes out there and runs a, a 450, like it was a 454. Tony pedaled the car and ran a 452. And a 454 was like, that was yeah. a stout run. Big time run. Tony was running like a 446. And Pelican Car runs a 452. I tell you what, 
Tony Tony's one one of the better drivers at that. When yes. you have those when the pressure's on. When the pressure's on, but but when that car does that quick little shimmy rattle early when when you're hundred feet into the run, he can pedal that thing quick and not lose I've seen him do it like eighth mile or uh, I'm sorry, a thousand foot, where he'll do those quick pedal early uh, and he could still go mid low three eighty. I've seen it. And I've seen it and, and he, he tells you the secret of what he does all the time and he told me one time, I never forget it, and uh, I thanked him all the time, and I beat him on his on his own pedal job because he told me what he did. You know what I mean? <laughs> How he holds his foot in the pedal because yeah. it's nature. You get in the car, you you see that light, you get balls up, and you just slam that throttle right. Yeah, pedal down. We all have done it. Right. And then and then if you keep yourself nimble, if you keep yourself nimble, like he pushes it down, but his foot stays light. Right. And he goes, I stay light, A.B., so he's got to stay light. And when you feel it, you could come off of it quicker. If you're buried down, like heel locked, it's hard to let off. You're way too late. The car spins, and that's why you see some of them drivers spin so hard to get out of shape. Correct. We yeah. see them out there. We all see them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Yeah. You get scared when you race them, too, sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but, but he, he actually showed me that and taught me that, and I was like, thanks, man. And I used it only one time. He goes, he looked at me, he goes, damn, Brown. He goes, you listen too damn good. Mm-hmm. I said, brother, I said, I'm trying to win. You know <laughs> what I mean? And But he does do all that stuff good, and, and he's actually a great, great driver. And it's probably one of the best ones our sport's ever seen. And a lot of people don't realize that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been there, done that. And that's that's one cool thing that he always talks about is, you know, in the moment, uh, rising to the occasion. I mean, he's, he's yeah, definitely you can't take it away from him because he does all the time. It, it, he's in those situations and that but I think that's the coolest thing, though, is like being in those situations is like those those situations where you're going up there and it's like, this is it. Yeah. This is this is this is what you're racing for. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is this is why you're racing. But it's after you've been through that, and you do that. It's like, how do you replicate that? Because you only come into these situations only a couple of times throughout your career. Oh, yeah. And, and it depends on how you're going to show up. Right. You know what I mean? He shows up. Like when it steps up, he shows up. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh and that, and that's the crazy part and I'm thinking I I've been through it. You've been through it. Yeah. You know who's going through it right now, don't you? <laughs> Our old buddy. <laughs> that's <over> right. <laughs> JR. Yeah. I uh I didn't really show up in the final last week. I kind of pissed me off, but we're still in the hunt, so hopefully it comes down to one of those moments Dude, later in the year. You're only 50 points behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, on the bright side. The way I look at, it, like, we distance ourselves from everybody behind us. Yeah, you got an eighty-three point lead over Wilkerson and eighty-six over TJ, and then uh, one hundred and five over Courtney, and she's in fifth. So yeah, you. I mean, I I got a cool text earlier this week. I say earlier this week. It must have been yesterday, yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> yesterday or Sunday night. I can't remember. <laughs> Either way, but uh, past champ, and he's like. You know, you guys are in the hunt. I think you're in a good spot, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, it'd be nice if we got some help. He's like, it doesn't work like that. You're going to have to go through them. It's just going to be the two of you. Like, you're not going to get any help. I'm like, well, why don't you put it that way? Exactly. And that's – I think that it's cooler when you can, in a sense, you know, where you have to race Robert. Sure, absolutely. Keep it, keep it in your own hands. Right. You know, you, you kind of control your own destiny. But, see, I, I firmly believe – the hardest car to drive is when you're driving the best car out there because yeah. there's so much mental, for, at least for me, is mm-hmm. – Don't screw it up. Right? Don't screw it up. Yeah. So for me, 
I like being in that position, being in second place. Oh, when yeah, you got that GC. lead in first, it's all yours to lose. Yep. And you go up there with the mentality of, man, I don't want to mess this up. I got the best car. Don't push it. Just try to be 70 on the tree and just try yep. to just, you know, just kind of do that medium job. Well, that really takes the fire out of you as a driver. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got to have that fire in you. And that's, that's, you know, you've done it, Antron, you know, mm-hmm. JR's going through it right now and he's doing a great job driving, but you keep that fire in you and you come from behind and you're always pushing it. That's, those are the, I think that keeps you fired up as a driver. I, I feel my, my worst driving was the year that I won in 2013. I mean, I, I had a great car, but I feel personally like I've had better years other than that, that I've driven, but oh, it's yeah. always because I have that come from behind mentality. Yeah. I, I, I've been real fortunate in certain situations before the countdown. Because for some reason, we never raced good at Indy. We, we've won Indy. We've won the shootout race before. and But for some reason, there's always some kind of mishap. Like one year, I remember distinctly, I raced Dave Conley. Raced Dave Conley and outran him, and he beat me on a whole shot. Like he cut a fifty light, and I cut a I cut a fifty nine light. A good light, and, right, 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 right. But but the thing about it was the round before I was forty one, and the round before that that was the semifinals. The round before that I was like fifty flat, and either one of those lights yep. would have beat him. Right, you get what I mean. And and the thing about it was, Jay, it got me to the point where you, I go, you know what? It makes you want to say, like. Damn, we can't drop the f bomb on here. Just you want to say, just like forget. Yeah, if you want, you know oh, what I mean. We don't you, care. You, you, you say, <laughs> we well, don't you, got the beat button. Exactly. <laughs> well, you just want to drop it and just like, like you literally want to say, forget this. Like you literally forget it, and then it gets me mad. But when I get mad, I don't get like juiced up. I get like this, just calm. And when I mean calm, I mean poised, so calm that my mind just turns everything off. Like, everything around me, when I get in the zone, and I remember it for Reading, Pennsylvania, we raced there. I got so much in the zone because I knew I had family around, hometown, all that stuff. We're racing for the championship, and we're racing Dixon. Dixon's running good, too, and all these other people. And I don't know what zone it was in, but I got so silent. I looked at the tree, and the tree looked slow motion. I can actually see the light. I looked inside the bub, and I could see it just like starting to flare on and my foot would just go down and I have four rounds of racing and my light was between a 30 and a 35 every round. I remember that because you had everybody in that class scared. Nobody wanted to race you at that time because nobody, you can't go. uh, All of us at that point couldn't go 30. No. And, and, and honestly, if the track, when our tracks got good, Brian had something where we used to do, do something to the car too, where we used to like the track got aggressive for our car to 60 foot. We made our clutch more aggressive on the starting line. So right. it was that, and it's doing. And he always knew when we did something to the car. If you do the same thing every time, we all know if you do the same thing every time, and they change it, you'll see the difference of the car. Because I was never all over the place. I always, I always try to get a tight group. Mm-hmm. Correct. And that's all you could do. And after that, they can work on the car and make the car better. Right. And that's what I did. And when he got in that zone, and all the rest of the races were like that too. I was just like, I got in a zone where I was just pissed off at the world. I was. Like, people didn't know because I still did A-B, the smiling A-B, right. doing all this shit. But once I got in my race car, it was like, click. It was like, I put that shield down. It was just like, all I saw was gray. Yeah. Not red. Like, yeah. red is when you get to a different point where you do stupid stuff because I've been there, too. <laughs> when you get mad. We all, <laughs> yeah, we all done that. You get pissed <laughs> off, right? 
Yeah, I did that last weekend. <laughs> I feel like there's sometimes like you get so locked in, like you don't even really remember. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, how'd you do that? I don't know. I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's it's so funny too, because like sometimes, like you say, you get locked in, you're in the car, but it's like people will come up and say things about the run. Like, did you notice this? Did you notice? This camera guy. Did you notice that camera on the boom came way down? Right. Did you notice somebody <laughs> out here? Or this or, like, no. no? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything in the grandstands. I couldn't tell you anything other than the focal points on the racetrack. That because that's that's all you're so focused in. You have no idea what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I could tell you one thing, and see, when you're around racers, you get what I mean, and. I had a racer come up to me one time and was asking me for some help. And I never forget. And he, they literally told me, they go, man, why up to that start line? Did you, did you see all those people and hear all those people cheering? I'm like, I gave him the look like, I'm like, what, like, I'm like, <laughs> what are you paying attention to? I'm like, to? what? I'm like, are you, I'm like, I'm like, literally, are you kidding me? I'm like, when you go up to the start line, and only thing I know is once that crew chief puts their finger in front of the window and go like that, that my head goes straight to a tree, and it is almost I get so focused you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. And the only time I ever mess up is when I can hear things because that means I'm thinking about doing something. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know Correct. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, Isn't it funny how like when you're in the car too, like you'll have a lot of people that come, you know, they'll do the baptism by nitro and they'll do all these things mm-hmm. on the starting line and. And everybody's talking about how crazy it is on the starting line. And then they say, what's it like in the race car? Well, it, you kind of get in the zone so much in the race car that it's quiet. Like, you don't really think yeah, about exactly. how, how loud it is. It, it no. doesn't – you don't feel the vibrations no. of, like, the power when you're standing outside of the race car and the ground shake and all these things. I mean, you'll know if it's tire shake. You'll feel it in your back. But uh, uh, as far as all the other stuff, just kind of like you said, when you're in the zone – and everything's just so quiet and peaceful, and you're kind of in your zone, and nothing else. You don't you don't feel all that stuff. No, it's it's like slow motion, it, right? Like I feel like there's times on the starting line, Jono is bringing me into the lights and waiting for the other crew chief to give him the okay sign and walks away. Like I might not even like see him tell me okay, it's time to go in. I just <laughs> he's gone now. <laughs> like, you're just so locked in on looking at the groove, looking at the tree, just whatever. Well, yeah, like we we had the. Uh, we ran the mongoose scheme in, in Indy. And so Q1, um, Pat Galvin brought me into the beams, right? Oh, so it, it was a really cool thing. So um, he brought me into the beams and they kind of, he did, you know, what Nikki Bonifani normally does. And so he's, you know, looking at the other crew chief and then he signals for me to go. So we make the run, we get back and he's like, did you see what I did? No, what'd you do? I, I saw you point me in. And he goes, no, when I pointed you in, he goes, I grabbed my balls, <laughs> like you know, sack up for this run. And I'm like, I had no idea, man. That would have been cool. <laughs> I, I say that, but there's also times like Jono does things that like lighten the mood. Like, oh shit! Like he looks over at a crew chief and like adjusts his glasses, but he does it like this, and he'll flip them off. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, oh, that, those are those are the fun. Yeah, those are definitely the fun stories that you can you can get out of it. Oh, yeah. Or your favorite crew chief saying, he goes, yep, we did all we could do in the car. Just don't go out there and F it up. Yeah. <laughs> so they tell you. 
yeah. come back, the rods are out of it. Like, well, you yeah. hit the gas. Yeah, it was fine when we gave it to you. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, the driver gets everything, you know what I mean? And uh, it's we get the interview at the end of the racetrack, but we're talking on behalf of you get all interviews? the interviews. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Damn. You know what? Sometimes I What's don't, What's the man. secret? <laughs> uh, well, you know what it is? I don't know, man. Some, You know what? Let me tell you something. When you get out the car and you smile... <laughs> give him a little wink, give a little wink, give a little chocolate. <laughs> Maybe you know what I mean. I've been working on Amanda. For, I've, been, I, I've, been, I've been working on Amanda for a while, but she's finally giving in. She's starting to come over a little bit more. <laughs> so I said, I said, come over here, girl. I'm a coke and a smile. So a coke and a smile. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> So maybe that's what I need. I just need to smile more. Yeah, man. Yeah, you can't, man. You can't, you can't, you can't you, be mean mugging her all the time. Can't be mean mugging anybody, I guess. Be, I think uh, I do it. Not, a, I don't even know I'm doing it, though. But, man, it's hard. You get out of the race car and your adrenaline's going so much. And you're uh-huh. just... Right. Uh, you're so amped up and you're fired up. And it's like... Sometimes you don't know how to control your emotions. So you get out of the car. And you, sometimes you might pipe off with some stuff. And you're like... Well, yeah, it just takes one question real quick to set you well, off. Yeah, but then it's like people are like, man... I can't believe you said that at the top end. I was like, I what, don't even know. What I say? I don't even remember saying that. Right. Hey, I could tell y'all both something that I got so mad this year at one race. And and people was going to see a different side of Antron Brown for the first time. Here we go. Right. The different side of Antron Brown. <laughs> yes. on oh, oh, man. Let me. And I, I saved this for y'all show. <laughs> this is some special. I have never said this one. NHRA here. doesn't even get the. Pay this. attention. This, no. This is no, it right this, here. This is it. And, Listen uh, up. We were in Virginia this year, right? Car ran good. And then I raced Steve-O in the semifinals, right? And I red light. And our car is going out on track to drop low ET. And I shut off early because ain't no need of running. Like, I sh- shut off at, like, 800 feet. Right. Still beat him to the finish line. Oh. And he ran it all the way. You know what I mean? And you can see all the increment numbers. Like, we had them. I got in the car, and I know better. But what happened was I just wanted to leave on him. I wanted to light him up. I wanted to beat him, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? Because he's been wheeling off race wins. And I was like, we just got to get back to where we need to be. And our and our car was there. I got in the racetrack. I had my helmet in my hand. And all I saw, like, I literally saw red. I was so mad. <laughs> I was red. And then they come up and try to, like, video me. And I just took the camera, and I, like, pushed it out the way. And I want to take the helmet out. I, I, I was about to throw my helmet. And you and, got good, you got nice paint jobs. Oh, on man, yeah, too. man. <laughs> Let me, I was about to have a nice one right then. <laughs> right? So, so I take my helmet. Start naming I, your helmet Chip. That's right. And I had it in my hand. And right, and you want to hear something that messed me up? Right when I grabbed that helmet and I took it off my head, and I was like, like that. And I opened my eyes when I was about to do it. I saw a little junior dragster kid at the top oh, of the track. Yeah. yeah. And when I saw that, it, that's what wheeled me back in. And I looked up and I said, "Thank you, God. And I needed that because if I didn't see that kid, that helmet would have been all over the ground. Yeah, and I would have been mad. And I, I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was mad. I was, I was so mad that like I looked at everybody down there and like they were coming up and doing stuff. And then Steve even came over trying to say, "Hey, man, I looked at him. I, I even like, yeah, not, not, not now. Touch me not right now. now. Not yeah, right get now. Out of here, cream. Not right now. And you know the funny part." <laughs> I have never got out the car like that. But it's just one of those deals where you want it so bad. You want it when you want to win so bad and then you do things that you typically don't do and then you throw your game off, you get pissed off like that. And uh and that's human nature. It's just human nature. Yeah. That's the worst. Like I've seen 
videos of myself that you think there's not even a camera around and they catch you doing shit like throwing your gloves or slamming the car and then you see it on TV you're like man I look like an asshole like don't be that guy yeah absolutely sometimes that's the hardest thing is to c- control your emotions though. yes yeah. because you know and I mean probably prime example of that this year has been Tanner Gray you know yeah. he gets out of the car and he's he's done things like that I mean the kid's 19 years old but we've all done it yeah, it just hasn't always been caught on TV. Right. I mean, I know I've I've been guilty of that getting getting back, you know, messing up a run, and I'm mad and I'm aggressively setting down things or you know getting out of the car and saying stuff, but the TV just doesn't always catch it, you know. No. So so they don't see that. But I think you know, I mean, last weekend was probably my closest that I've been to in a while of doing that first round against Cruz. Two stepped it. Luckily, <sighs> I caught it. And it was a quick two-step. I caught it, still took the green, um, but ended up losing the round to him. And getting out of the car, it's just like, you know, we've struggled a little bit lately, but the car's turning the corner. Now we're making good runs, and here I am. You know, it's been a long time since I've done it, and you do it, and you get out of the car, and you're just, I mean, you're looking for anything. It's just, at the end of the day, it's just the only mistake you make is the one that you don't learn from. Yes, yep. you know? absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that, that when these things happen is just learning from your mistakes and understanding why you did it, what were the things that changed, and how can I make myself better. But, man, I'm telling you, that is the hardest thing to control is when you get out of the car, your adrenaline's going, you're so mad at yourself. Yeah, you got to have something or somebody to unload on, whether it's as soon as you get out of the car or you're in the van going back up through turn road, punching the seat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, the the hardest part is is that what a lot of people don't understand about our sport is that our sport is not like a typical sport. You know what I mean? Like if we did circle track racing or if we did basketball, football, baseball, you can make an error, but you have a, you have a chance to repeat, to to actually get back. To make up for it, yeah. Right away. It, right, our deal, you make a mistake, you're done. It's, there's, there's, there's no, there's no like, no contingency plan. There's no. There's no, no other. There's, there's no <laughs> nothing else you can do. You're like you're you're one and done. Yep. You know what I mean. So, for me, I think that's the hardest part, and that's why our emotions and our sport run so high, and that's why you see what happens. It's like it's not poor sportsmanship. It's just that you have all this stuff built up into this one moment, one moment that's thousands of a second, and if you just hiccup, that's what the people don't understand. You just Hiccup, this blink. If you blink at the wrong time, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people, like I learned from Larry Dixon. Everybody see me before I run, I'll put Visine in my eyes. Why are you putting Visine in your eyes? I'm trying to moisturize them jokers. I ain't trying to blink at all. Yeah, you blink, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, exactly. And I learned that from LD. I used, to, I used to always look at different people. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? I said, that joker, where you been out? Where, where you been up late last night putting Visine in his eyes? <laughs> no, that joker got Visine in his eyes to keep the eyes open yeah. so he can see that tree come down. Yeah, and I feel like before you came into the class, like he was the guy ripping the tree down. So like, good guy to learn from. Yeah, just you just I just look at what make people great. There's a reason why a lot of different people's got different. Everybody's got different things that yep. they're good about, and you look at them and I observe everybody. Like what makes them great. What makes this person so good? Why is this person so good? Like, I used to study you. I used to see you when you first raced top field. You came out there. You was taking down all the heavy hitters, chopping them down. You came out there because you had that I don't care attitude, right? Right. You had you like like when you don't care, like Tanner Gray when he first came out and pulled that car, nothing chopping the tree, nothing to lose. Yeah. Right. Then he got into 
an area where he was messing up. Because you know why? He got he was he started thinking about what he was doing. Correct. I don't care attitude in a way. Then I used to come out and look at Sean like, what does Sean do? Well, Sean looks at every aspect of everything. He's a studier. He looks at different variables on the sheets and knows what's happening. How the tree came down this lap. What this person did. How this did. He's a studier of the game. Knows all the numbers. Yes, and he studies it. And when he studies it, he knows what he needs to apply. What he needs to do. How he needs to do it. So when you race him, you got to know that game. You got to know everybody's game to know how to combat it. Like people's like, well, you're just good. Well, damn, like, well, being good ain't just being good no more. Because every time I race somebody, their game is always at the top level. Like right. Brittany will be 70. Like her, her light is 70. 70. 70. She raced me. She's 45. <laughs> like, where'd that come from? Like, damn, like, girl, hook a brother up. Help me out. Yeah, the no same kidding. thing, you know? You know how it is. It's an A-B factor, man. You, know? you got to step up your game when you race you. Oh, man. Like, like I even, Sean, it worked for a little bit. One time, I used to see people keying off me. And this is funny. I used to watch them. I used to key off me and watch what I did in qualifying. So what I used to do in qualifying is I used to look at all three lights. And it used to keep me a hundredth and a half slower. So, like, if my light was, like, 60, 55, 65 in qualifying, then as soon as I look at one bub, but like one bub I look at when I race, I'll go right down to 45. Right. So I used to do that. So he's like, oh, we need to be 65. And they'll cut 65 on me. And then, boom, I remember we talked about, <laughs> we that, talked a about couple, that a couple that? years ago. Yeah. Because it's like you, you study, everybody gets the sheets in qualifying. So everybody knows, kind of, you know, there's, there's, I'd say probably you can count on maybe one or two hands. But yes. There's certain drivers that you pay attention to. Oh, absolutely. And you, you kind of keep track of, you know, obviously, you know, JR and Antron are, are both them. Um, you know, there's a couple other drivers that, you know, Robert Hyde's very good on the tree. Absolutely. You'll kind of fall. But they have that kind of consistency. So, you know, track to track of kind of where, where they're at. Where you should at. be compared to them. Right. Where they've been at, where they're at now, where you should be. So you have a pretty good judge of kind of where you should be on the tree. I mean, everybody kind of has off weekends, but for the most part, everybody's kind of in that, that same rhythm. But, Consistent. But yeah, when Antron started doing that, he started throwing everybody off because he's like, all right, I'm starting to hit the tree we better. Got That's him. right. First round comes around, <laughs> like, nope, no, I'm not. Antron's back. <laughs> Just no. kidding. Well, you, you got to change it up. And, and think about it was is that you start seeing him key off of you. You know what I mean? And I used to look at it and then – you know, Steve used to hit it, start hitting it like that, and other people start hitting it like that. And you know, you know, you have to watch out for it when you race in fuel now in top fuel when Pat Dakin shows up. Oh man, it's unbelievable! It's like he catches it. Big Daddy, Big Daddy, he's a scissor man, man. Dude, yes. chop you off. Old man still getting it done. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Saint? Yeah, Saint Louis. He went to the went to the semis. semis. Yeah, Pat don't play, but man, he he hits the tree so good. Oh man, I I tell you what. You know what's so funny? He brings me grill mats over every race. These plastic grill mats you put on your grill where nothing sticks to your grill. And the man is in phenomenal shape that people don't realize. Uh-huh. He eats chicken and fresh vegetables. That's what he eats all the time. <laughs> That's all he eats. That's not a bad he deal. Don't, he, he, don't, mean... he, he, don't, he don't fry food. Don't do, everything's grilled up. Eats right. Takes care of himself. And when he shows up, he ain't showing up just to play. He's showing up because he's coming to do business. That's why he's, he's still getting it done. Yeah. yeah. And, and they make good runs in the car, too, for yes. how many races they do a year. Yeah. Yes. They're, yeah. they're one of those, like, definitely keep you honest. Oh. Speaking of the tree and reaction time, something that he and I always talk about and talked about on this show before, what are your thoughts on changing the number to where a good light for you is now a double O something? 
where you have, okay, not many dragster guys do it, but if you don't roll in shallow, there's a good chance you're going to go red. Hey, I would, I would, I would love them to take at least three hundreds out the tree. So, yes. So they, they have, out the tree. Right, yeah, right now it's a three seventy tree, which they did when they, they started with the LEDs because they were quicker. Yeah. So they made it a 370 tree now. So there's basically the 300s, right? Yes. And it, what what it was was a lot of the pro stock, pro stock bike guys were red, red lighting. So, um, but yeah, things that we've talked about is taking that 300s back out and then making it to where, you know, uh, you know, you go up there in your 050s. Okay, now you're 020s. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't have the guy that's going to catch that lucky light where he goes, you know, rolls it in <sighs> a little bit. And then he goes O twenty on the tree, and then you know you're your normal O fifty, and you lose on a whole shot, and you got to explain to your sponsor like, hey man, I just lost on a whole shot, but I really didn't, right? Man. But it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? But I, I think I'm I think percent with you. I think it'd tighten up the race in a whole lot, and it would help with the average fan that doesn't understand why pro stock and pro stock bike have quicker lights than we do. Like, hey, those guys are better drivers because I remember when Conley made the transition, not taking anything, anything away from him because he's a great driver. But, you know, he's always double O on the tree, just like Tanner and Pro Stock. Like, oh, he's going to mow the tree down on top. You're like, no. no, it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. Connolly was good in top field. He was good. Right. He's right. good. But, but he saw the difference. Like, he was, he, he was, was just like everybody, it's like all the top levers were. Like, he was nothing. Yes. Right. You and, know what I mean? And I'm saying you change that number, then, like, it looks like we're leaving with those guys in the, in the different classes. Just, yeah. Just put it back to zero. Because you put it back to zero. We're all going to go 20s and 30s on the tree. Right. Yes. It's going to be that tighter race, and you're not going to have the guy that's going to take a stab at the tree that you know yeah, gets that lucky guess. Yeah, and there's guys that are up there, I know in Funny Car, that are just letting it roll. Oh, God, I see it all the time. And the light car. comes on. like you, sh- you can't get rewarded for that. No. You shouldn't get rewarded for that, is what I should say. And, right. and, and my, my, my opinion on that whole deal is so funny is because why are we in a sport which is so simple? That we have to explain so many variables. Oh, there's so many gray areas and yes. so many variables. Yeah, it should be cut and dry. It's easy. Like, you line up, you line up, and look, you take off before you got red. Because I've seen it time and time again. I, I'm a victim of it. I got victimized several times of some stuff like that. And, like, this is the difference. All right, I could take it. If you if you're best light, you can cut a 20. Or you might even be able to cut a 15. Or even a 010 on certain tracks, right? Right. But the thing about it is, if you're out there cutting 20s and a guy took a guess and he cuts a 005, you're still in the game. Yes. But, but when you cut a 50 light on a tree and a cat goes out there and cuts a 006. Yeah, he's got 500s on you. Right. That's tough to I, make up. I had it happen. Yeah. My old teammate, Tony, did it to me. He cut a 006. <laughs> that was Epping, an Epping, wasn't in it? An Epping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, ran, I, ran a, I ran a 70 to a 72. Yep. And he beat me. Yep. Right. I'm like this. And I had a 48 light. And there's right? nothing yeah, wrong with there, that. You can't, you can't, right. right. That, that wins nine times out of ten. And you know what I get? They go like this. He gets out of the car. He goes, A.B., it was just time for me to go. <laughs> that's what he told me. But, but we've what, all done but, it. But we yeah, all, we've like, all done we, it. We've yeah. all done it. And, but he was honest. But the thing about it, it don't change the fact that he still won that round of racing. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you just took off. Right. And, 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 the, and the most hilarious part is like, you know, you talk to some other people about it. You're like, well, that only going to happen like. One out of 20 times. I said, well, let me tell you something. How would I feel if it's the last race of the countdown <laughs> and somebody did that stuff to me and I lost right. because it just took off? I'm like, it that should- doesn't make me feel better if it's one out of 20 because we only race once. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you get what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't agree with you anymore. And you know what it does, too? What it also does is, too, it makes you 
more. And this is the other thing that I always said. Do you know how we always put reaction time in with ET? Have you guys ever thought about this? Like, you know, you make it easy for the common fan, right? Well, you could show up on this board. Like, NHRA could actually make money off of this. They can sell, like, sheets that people can get after every elimination round so you can get a breakdown, like a breakdown sheet. Oh, I 100% agree. I think that's the greatest thing ever. You get what I mean? Yeah. But then what you do on the scoreboard to make it easy for everybody to come in there, don't put up their ET. Put up their ET that's got the reaction time combined in it. So when the wind light comes on, they can understand. That's why that car won. Correct. And you know what? And why is it, if a reaction time can win you a race, why isn't that in it on qualifying? Uh, uh, We can talk to somebody about this, and he gets extremely butthurt talking about it. Yes. Well, yeah, because you can't win in qualifying. You don't, you don't win in qualifying. Well, Th- that's why there's, there's no win lights in qualifying because we don't win. We're not racing in qualifying. Well, then why are they showing our reaction times in qualifying? Yep. Yeah. Well, well, this this is the funniest part. Well, this is why I go. Why is the most the most drag racing sport that everybody watch is the Olympics, the hundred meters? How come the clock doesn't start until the first person breaks the beam? Never thought about that. Huh. First person breaks the beam. That's the first one in the finish line. That's the time, and whatever's behind them, that's what the other person gets for a time. Does it make a difference? It all correlates the same because even though his re- is the same thing as our reaction time, right? Uh-huh. Even though the other person's behind, you add the reaction time in with their stuff, and it's still going to come up being that slow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It all it all correlates the same. Don't make a difference. But the first one that breaks that beam. That's when the clock starts. Right. And whoever gets to the finish line first, that's what the time is. It don't make a difference because. No make a difference what the second person reaction time is. It's going to add the same at the end of the drag strip. Correct. I, it's yeah. going to add the same. Right. Because the first person who leaves is going to start the clock. It don't make a difference. But whoever gets there first is going to break the beam. And that's the time that comes up on the board. It makes it so simple for everybody to understand. Because yeah. that's the way it is. Right. And when you qualify, it's simple math. I I couldn't agree more. That's I, pretty I, simple. I've never thought about it that way, though. That's, that's it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no thinking involved in it. Dude, Antron's changing the game right now. <laughs> this is this is game-changing stuff. Man, it's, just, it's just going back to basics, man. It's just making it easy. Like, drag racing was formulated on a street corner from one city block, which was a quarter mile, from light to light. Yeah. That's all we're doing. That's what we do. Well, a thousand feet now, but a yeah. thousand feet, you know what I mean? I we mean, got, not to get technical. We got too quick. We got too quick. We got too quick for the 320 feet. I couldn't imagine racing. I mean, I, I haven't run quarter mile, but in, in a top field car, but I, I couldn't imagine going what we're or doing what we're doing right now, running a quarter mile. We'll be over 350 mile an hour. You'd be wearing some brakes out. Yeah. Or you, you have your head up in the dash hard when them parachutes. Yeah, no yeah, I'd be pulling the chutes 800 feet. I mean, do you do you like the thousand foot over quarter mile? You because you ran quarter mile, I ran right? Quarter mile. Yeah, yeah. I ran quarter mile. Quarter mile. We stopped running quarter mile the first year I started racing in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. And we ran quarter mile, and, and honestly, we were going three hundred thirty miles an hour at English Town, and my chutes came out and got tangled up, and I still got my car stopped and pulled off of English Town, which is one of the shorter shutdown tracks. Yeah. Right. So as long as you're on it, I think the the biggest problem is that some of our drivers got complacent. You know what I mean? They they wait way too long to apply brakes. They wait way too long to pin on the parachute, snagging them back. Well, some of them nowadays aren't even pulling the chutes is another problem. Uh, they have the wheel you, counters Right, you the rely shoots. on other yeah. things to do it for you, which you can't do because, I don't know about you guys, I get on the chute button at 
900 feet, whatever. Yeah. And you know at what point they should be out when you cross the finish line. And if something happens, you're ready on the break. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. My shoot on my car, you can watch videos. My shoot is out, lingering like a pro stock car. It's out. That's how it should be. It's blossoming while I'm going through. Like, it's not blossoming, but you see the pilot shoot and you see the shoot out the bag while my nose is going across the finish line. Those right. are my favorite pictures of fuel cars. So that shows that drivers know what they're doing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, typically, I mean, you know, they, they started relying on these wheel counters because people weren't pulling the chutes on time and they weren't coming out. I mean, if you go through the finish line and you lift and then you pull the parachutes, oh, the parachutes you covered are, way too much ground. The parachutes half aren't coming out until 1320. It's a half right. a second. Right. It's a half a second before the chute comes out when you actually hit a button or you deploy them. It takes a half a right. second. And and I've noticed a couple times when I race the dragster, not so much in the funny car, but in the dragster, um, when I first started racing was that when I would lift and then it's in, in deceleration and then you pull the parachutes, it seems like there's a chute always getting stuck in the wheelie well, bar. Yeah, that thing uh, needs to be yes. like under power, like out in the wind. Right. So it, ever since I started doing that where I, I put a button on the wheel and I started manually pushing the button at 900 feet, that chute's always coming out before the finish line. Yes. And I haven't been to any track yet that when you got the chutes out on time, I mean, I'm getting pushed off of every track. Yeah, it's hard right. to make it off the track. You yes. can't make off the track now. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you exactly. I always have that problem too. You know what I mean? But it's like, but I tell you what, all it'll take, and I and I'm just being honest about all it takes, is I had my car blow up at the finish line, at the finish line, blow up and send me up in air, flipping end over end, twice. Yeah. Okay. Thing about is one time, if maybe if my chute was out just. Like I do it now, maybe it would have brought my car back to the ground. You get what I mean? Because I my chute used to come out like not even far past the finish line, but my chute tether didn't start coming out till I was like at eleven hundred feet. Right. Yeah. Which still fine, and my chute used to be blossom before the thirteen twenty. You know what I mean? But now my chute, as soon as I go through the fish, sometimes I I miss out on mile an hour because my chute's out. Right, which got, is fine. Which is it which don't, I mean, you don't, don't kill ET. Maybe maybe a thou or two. You know, that. yeah. Right. But the thing, but the difference of it is, is that I'm snagging down, and the thing about I don't understand is, I could talk to, I'm blue in the face, and you guys race funny car now. Now you're out of dragsters, both of you. You got something that's over top of you. You're enclosed. You're enclosed. Right. Right. You're enclosed. Right. Well, the craziest part for me. When I had my accident, not even the one where it blew up in Pomona that looked really bad and I slid in a sand trap, I still think I would have been fine on that one. But the easier blow up in Atlanta, Georgia, if everybody looks back and sees that one where it blew up, and all I did was just hit the wall. It mm-hmm. just went boom. I had to shoot out on time, snag the car down, then go up in the air, came hit. All it did was take my spill plate off the front wing of the car, the one spill plate, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I had the full enclosed canopy on the race car right that spill plate hit dead on my windshield on top of the roof of the car it took a divot out of it and our windshield is literally almost a half inch thick right wow that would have hit me right in my head if i didn't have an enclosed canopy right showed everybody told everybody i was like that wasn't even a bad accident right. that's something that i walked away from that was one of those freak things that was avoided yeah now you if i, I mean? did it I wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now because the way that thing hit that deal, that would hit me in my head. Right. And that windshield, that little three sixteenth inch 
like polycarbonate windshield everybody uses on those open cars. And I'm just like, why does somebody have to wait for something tragic to happen again? Yeah. Like with Daryl Russell, when something hit him from behind. Right. Yeah. Because it's a matter of time. And I drive it. I'm just like, and that's what I still don't understand today because I like everybody I race against. I don't want nobody to lose their life over something stupid. You know uh, what I mean? Absolutely. And, uh, and we developed it. And Mike Green and all those guys, Neil and Tony, including myself after long haul, like when we start going through all these things, we're like, we want to race on Sunday, but we want to go home on Monday. Yeah, you know what I fact. mean? That, that's what we, <laughs> right. we, you know what I mean? And we try to make it better, but it's just so funny where I see people, no, I'm good. I'm good. I said, you're good until something goes wrong. Good until you're not. Exactly. Yeah, it's usually, if there's a chance of something happening, eventually it will happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't want to say it's bad about our sport, but it just seems like a lot of times our sport is more reactive than proactive on things yeah. like that. Well, and, and I, you got, I understand the liability side of it, too, because you can't make people do something. Because if you tell them to do it, and if they get in the accident, they're caught inside and they can't get out. Correct. Then that's a liability. Yeah. You know right, what I right. mean? But it's just, it's one of those deals where you look at it, and after the stuff that I've been through, I never drive a top fuel car without it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man, I just ain't going to drive a car like that. It's like, my choice. This is what I'm going to, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Right. You know what I mean? And well, you just need to get in a funny yeah, car. Yeah, what man. about a funny car? Would you drive one? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, I'll drive a funny car. I've been wanting to drive a funny car, but, I, man, the thing about it is, only thing I would love about a funny car is that it's just a cool factor, man. Like, funny cars when I grew up as a kid, that was like the shiznits. You know what I mean? That was <laughs> Big like, smoky burnouts. Yeah, and, like, yep. and it's just the way the car looks. You know what I mean? I'm like in a torpedo. Yeah. But... Is one thing that I think, in my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, that could make funny cars a lot better and safer after I saw what happened to Robert's car, since we're talking about safety. Right. And I think the funny cars should have a two-clip body, like the back part of the body, like where you guys sit at. You come up to where your doghouse is. That should be mainly fixed on the race car. And then the front nose should come down the car as a clip. So when it blows up, it blows the front nose off, but it can't blow the whole back of the car off where you guys sit at. Right. And then what it does is, too, when you do have those mishaps, you ain't got to replace the whole body. You just put the front clip on it. You put a front clip on it. And it could Zeus on the front of the car, too. It doesn't have to be, like, it could be two pieces. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the next, for me, in my chain of thought, that's the next evolution because after we saw Robert's car in St. Louis— you see when that thing came off? It was like a kite in the air. Yeah, I mean, dude, right? Did you see on, the it video? On lawn chairs. Nobody was sitting there. Nobody yeah. laid on some lawn chairs. Some of them weren't even paying attention. That I mean, that's a couple, over. couple hundred pound body flying through the All air right. above yeah. the scoreboard hits the motel yeah. six or whatever the vision thing is now. Yeah. And another problem is it, when it doesn't fully come off. Like last year in Pomona, I think it was at the finals where it tried to come off, but then it buckled and like he can't see where he's going. No. He can't get to the shoots or anything like that. Then it's real bad. So, yeah. You can't tether it. Like, you know, they're talking about tethering stuff. Like, people talk about tethering, whatever it is. And It's just going to blow And Johnny Gray had a body that was tethered on his car, and it messed him up. You know what I mean? Like, right. so, But if you make that back part down, when it blows up, it just blows that front nose off. It's gone. I man, just want it to not happen. I give Robert credit, man. Dude, I'm talking big balls. He, <laughs> I, Because I mean, you get surgery. Like, I broke my collarbone 
uh, snow skiing in high school, right? Didn't have uh-huh. surgery, pins, none of that crap. Just like it wasn't even like a major break, but enough to where you sit up, like sit in this chair, you go to stand up, it hurts. Like brings tears to your eyes. And Getting out of bed in the morning. And he's getting strapped in the car. Yes. Oh, with, with, the, with that, yes. right? And, and one thing in a top fuel car. One thing in a top fuel car is you, if when I first started coming from super comp, you just put the seatbelts on. Yeah. You, they're on They're They got a little bit of tightness to them, but I learned quickly in a top fuel car. You can't be anything loose in no. these seatbelts because it will try to suck you underneath. It will throw you forward. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt twice as bad when you throw the parachutes versus when you just cinch them down and get them tight. Oh, absolutely. But I couldn't imagine that amount of pressure on, on a broken collarbone. Okay, yeah. And not only that, like sitting up and all that stuff, but, Raising your arm, like, like most people have their arm in a sling when you break your collarbone because you can't raise it. No. And not only did he race like that, he was crushing the tree. He was driving good. Yeah, and he won the and race. And he won the race. <laughs> yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> hey, I mean, that credit where credit's due right there. You take your that's off, dedication, man. You know, man. You know what it is? That's, that's, that's Iron Man stuff. That's Iron Man. You know yeah. what it is? That's, yeah. It's one of those deals where that, that's, that's how champions are made. Man's like want to. You know, and you know what it is? We all know, sitting in this room, those times come very seldom when yep. you're in that position to run for a championship. And it's like, remember we talked about? We can't do it over again. Right. What can you do over? It's all about the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. good story. Dude, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, it could hopefully be, it, JR it, might be better about it? It'll be a good it, story but... when you say you almost won that championship. Yeah, it ain't over. <laughs> I just said it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> he won the race with a broken collarbone. That's what I meant. Yeah. No, it, yeah, it definitely is. But here's what I want to know. All right. Future plans, Antron Brown, like 10 years down the road. Like, oh, do you want to retire from DSR? Do you want to have your own team? Like, you, Do you want to get your kids in the fuel racing? Like, I want, well... My my main plan is honestly, and it's no big secret, is down the road sometime I would love to be a partner in a race team or even be an owner in a race team, because I think for one thing for sure, and uh, we all know it. I mean, for our sport to grow, you need multiple teams. And whether yeah. even if I had a team, I mean, Bob Tassel's got the awesome situation where he has his own team, but all of his stuff is through DSR. Yes. And Don does a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? It'll be cool to see other teams start doing more stuff like that. Like, John Force doesn't do that at all. Yeah. Like, you know, Coletta helps out some teams, but Don. He's got the wheelhouse, and, and maybe one day it comes down the road where you start seeing that division up like that, where he becomes the Hendrix Motorsports of drag racing, where you can lease your stuff through him and have your own entity and own team, or or you can grow there, you know what I mean? Or maybe I could do a deal like Earnhardt did. I can drive for DSR, but have ABR as a satellite team, and I could put young talent that I see that's coming through the ranks that I believe in. That's what that's a good sport. feeder system. Like, like, there. You get what I mean? Like a Matt Zachman that works yes. on the team. Oh, he'd be I think, awesome. Yeah. I think he'll be a good a good candidate that I, I look at all the time. But if I can get the funding and our and our sport keeps on growing, I can do a team like that. I can still drive for who I drive for and have ABR and put those young guns in the because when you you know it, just like you came in a sport, Sean came in a sport, I came in a sport. Thing about it is, is that we didn't. We came from the pure love of the sport. That's right. why we put our work in like we do. We didn't have our own money where we just come no. out here and do different stuff and be like, "Hey, well, you know what? I'm good today. I'm just, I ain't, I ain't got to do that. I yeah. ain't got to. Yeah, do I'm this. not that mad about you know, losing or anything. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but it's 
people got different deals. And I mean, it's not, and I'll never say like it's fair to say that because I look at people like Steve Torrance. He spends his own money, but that boy wants to win. Right. You know what I mean? He's got that one to. You know what I mean? He don't come out here to have fun. He's got that poncho effect. Exactly. Exactly. He comes out here to try to take. <laughs> he ain't out there to make friends, he said. No, he ain't. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> But, uh, but the, yeah, but I, I think that the whole feeder system thing is awesome. Like what you're talking about having satellite teams, but the big question is, is the opportunity. How do you get the opportunity for something like that? I mean, so many times when we go to, um, events and we talk to kids for, you know, with that race junior dragsters, it's, you know, give me advice. Tell me, you know, how did you get in there? What's the best opportunity for me to have an opportunity like you to get into a top field class? That's one of the hardest questions for me to answer Like when they ask that. Like, what is the answer? Well, I can tell you how I got there. And that's the only thing I could tell those kids. You only could tell them through your experience how right, you did it. Right, right. And the thing about it is, the, the true answer is, is if you truly want to do something in life, you got to put yourself out and around it. Is no magical formula saying, hey, you put a resume together, you go do this, you go do this, or you bring money, bam, you have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you could bring a $3 million sponsorship, you could drive for anybody. Yeah, right, right, now. right, right, right now, right? Yeah. But the, <laughs> no, I'll let you drive for me. Exactly. You take my spot. That's right. <laughs> and I even give you some lessons. Yeah. <laughs> what I think would be cool, you know, I've talked about it before. For one, like, we're not making the amount of money that these NASCAR guys are, like Dale Jr., when he was driving to go out and start his Xfinity team. No. To where. We could start an A fuel team or an alcohol funny car team, and we see the next big thing come up to the ring. So I give them a chance in that, and then maybe you have your satellite team with DSR or whatever. They got a place to go once they yes. make it through that. Like to me, that's where drag racing needs to be going. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah. I and mean, you, I you, I have a bunch you, of bracket cars, but yeah, yeah, don't have the budget to do something like that. Yes. I mean, yeah. If we had a feeder system in the alcohol class, there's some awesome drivers right now in the alcohol class. That are the next up and coming. Yes, absolutely. You know, but it's what are the opportunities for them, right? Yeah, now? right. You yeah, know? It's somehow like you work it out with your sponsors and your team. Like, hey, we got a three to five year plan with this driver. Depending on if there's room at our team five years from now, then like we're moving this guy up or whatever. You know, something along those lines. Right. Exactly. But I mean, how you know that that's the, that's the problem though is how do you get to that point? Uh, who, yeah. who breaks who breaks the ice? You know, well, that and, and does that that that's what I've been. Uh, that's something that I've been working on for years because you can't drive a car forever. You can't. You know, what I mean, we like to. Uh, but I'm not. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna be John Force. I ain't driving until I'm 67. I, I don't want to be driving. Is, when I'm no, I hope to have a cigar on the beach when I'm 67. <laughs> yeah. you know, I want to be like shit. Snake when I'm that old. <laughs> that's right. I want to be in Cabo with a yeah. Tiki Hut yes. bar. Yeah. Come by, Big Daddy. Exactly. I'll give you some. I'll give you some Miami Vices <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> or some. Purple Rains. Yes. Yes. I forgot about that. Those was good. They were real good. That was at Tommy D's wedding. And for people who know what Purple Rain is. Well, yeah, I fell out of the loop. I'm like, what's this Purple Rain? I forgot about that. Remember that? that? Yes. It was a drink called Purple Rain, and it was like a frozen drink that was a grape-flavored lemonade (laughs) frozen drink with, with vodka in it. It was like this... Drink and we had a Tommy's wedding. When you drink it, it tastes like grape lemonade Kool Aid. We were in Mexico, by the way. It was, Mexico. Oh, it was awesome. It was unreal. All, oh, we. Oh, let me tell you something, brother. We we drunk till we saw purple, <laughs> and, then, and then we started. We even started singing "Purple Rain." <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah, we, did. Oh, we had a great time. Great time there. for Tommy's and Rachel's you can wedding. Remember, right? Oh, remember, we remember everything. Remember we didn't get that tour up. Yeah. Uh huh. Most you know, of it. Jimmo was a little jacked up. Chad was a little, Chad was a little messed up. Yeah, Chad was too. Oh uh, yeah, Chad. Chad like he likes to get tuned up. Yeah, Chad was uh, 
Chatham. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so that I think that's that's the that's the next thing that our that our sport needs. Just like what Antron said is we need that feeder system. We need to figure out ways to work with these companies, work with sponsors, work with, you know, having PSAs with us, but have put these plans in, in place um, to where we could get these companies working on these feeder systems, you know, and, and then that'd be a good opportunity for a lot of companies. You know, I think, you know, with Coletta, we've seen some companies that they they want to get involved, but they're a little shy on it because they don't really mm-hmm. know much about our sports. So they're not wanting to come right in with that, you know, two and a half million dollar budget to, yes. to fund the deal right away. So they come in, you know, a little bit less and say, you know, well, we'll we'll invest this. And let's see what the sport has to offer. But I think putting in a feeder system like that, that'd be a great opportunity for a lot of these companies to come in to build and, it and to to build it up. Like say, you know, hey, come in for you know three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. You know, get on 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 these feeder system stuff, and then maybe they come in and say, this is the best thing that we've ever seen. Here's the chunk of money that you need. We want to go big on this. Absolutely, and and that's how it starts because I know for sure with all the sponsors that I have that I have represented over the years that I've been racing is that nothing never starts out where you want it to be. And you have to show them and you have to show them like integrity, like doing the right thing when they're not watching, but they really are watching you and just building those relationships and show them the value that they're getting from it. Right. And when they start seeing that value and they start seeing where they can actually position it and utilize it and benefits them and makes them grow then you can become part of that brand and grow with them. And that's something that I've learned over all the years I've been in racing, and it takes special people to do it. You know what I mean? And and I know when I see a person, because the thing about it is, you're going to have to be willing not just to drive the race car, but you have to have the full pie. You know what I mean? You just can't be a great driver. You can't just be a great spokesperson. You have people that are great spokesperson and can't drive a car with a darn. You yeah. got people that can drive, and they can't even talk a lick. And you got to be able to do to be a public speaker, know how to represent brand X, Y, Z, and W and believe in it because they'll never take a deal that you don't believe in because it ain't going to last long. Right. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? And once you get all those things together, and I, I can see it in certain talent coming up right now. That's why I, I, I said Max Ackman. You know what I mean? Because he's got that desire. You know what I mean? And I see other people with that desire. I see them out there. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then you also got to look on how they take care of themselves. You know what right. I mean? You can't have somebody that's going to be like, you know, it's okay to have fun, but they can't do it every night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Are you out here to party or are you out here to win? Right. Yeah, you know we, what I mean? We've had a couple of drivers that they like to party and they're not with us anymore. Oh, yeah. Right. That or a driver <laughs> that is way out of shape or something like that or an aspiring driver that's way out of shape. It's You want to drive like the baddest thing on the planet, like show that you want to do it. Like oh. how bad do you want to do it? Yeah. Oh. I mean, don't be bigger than me. Yeah. Oh, stop, I did that. No one, no one <laughs> hey, said you. Hey, hey, ain't nobody ever seen you run a basketball court, have they? Or play softball? I have. You know what I mean? Don't let SL that boy can move a little got, bit. Got, got that quick step, boy. Get you, shake you down. But <laughs> yeah. well, and the thing about it is, is that it's simple, man. Like I mean, everybody thinks something's hard to do, but I always tell people, and I go talk at these high school kids all the time, and I just tell them simple: you put yourself out and around it, and once you put yourself out and around it, you actually prepare yourself. For when opportunity comes, and it will come. Right. It will come. Believe me. At some point. And, and then when it comes, are you going to be ready to cease it and grab it and take it? Because I always, I raced pro stock bike for 10 years. My seventh year of racing pro stock bike, I was like, you know, I'm out here all the time. I would love to drive a fuel car. Just test one. 
I like to get in one. I mean, I think I can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And but you have to have somebody give you that opportunity. And Lee Beard worked at DSR, used to see me in the bike shop where I used to work in his shop, help him put engines together, help build the bikes, help wire them, help build them, design them, create them, and do different stuff. Projects like that. He goes, You're here before I get here in the morning, and you're here after I leave. Like every day at the shop, he goes, You ever think about driving a fuel car? I said, Absolutely. I just want somebody to give me that shot. Well, never happened at Schumacher's, and then he actually became the general manager for David Powers. And David was going to do a three-car team. Like, everybody think that I just took over Witt's spot when he got left over when David Baca was just a part-time driver. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a work in progress for six months where David was trying to do a third car, and he wanted to use me and market me to go get other sponsors because he saw how I represented the U.S. Army at the time. Right. And then he was working on that, and in the short term, him and Witt fell out, and they put David Bach in the car and already had a relationship with Maco. And Beer calls me up and goes, A.B., you think you want to drive that fuel car? I'm like, I'm with it. Yep. I'm like, where do you need me? You know what I mean? But, yep. but it all happened because I started putting my feelers out there telling people. And I even talked to Stewie before and all that stuff. And, right. and that was before you drove for Lucas. Right. Like it was a seat open. Like it was a seat that came open at Lucas. And they came talk to me about driving that car. And I and, and like, it went from having no opportunity where I had an opportunity to drive Two different cars. You got to choose. I can go Lucas or I can go with David Powers. But then the Maco deal fit it because I was already part of that brand. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Yeah, but a, a lot of it, like we, we had talked about earlier, a lot of it's just being at the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, Jerry and I both, we've been out of rides in, in certain instances. But then it's just that opening opens up at the right time. time. Because if it's not the right place at the right time, we're both sitting on the sidelines. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's making yourself available out there. That's my biggest thing is. If you have driven or you want to drive, like you got to make it known and like you got to be out there where people see you. Because when I was a crew guy at Gilbertson's, like, did I really want to be a crew guy? No, I wanted to drive. Right. But like I knew I had to be out there where people knew that I still wanted to drive. And there's a time like you wonder if it's ever going to happen again. You spend three years as a crew guy, like, man, like this is cool and all, but I really want to be like driving this car, not working on it. Then like, get a lucky break a guy calls you up hey come drive my car but you got to work on it also because you knew i was a crew member so like it worked out yeah you got it's about sacrificing plain and simple and i mean tj did the same thing tommy johnson right you know zalek racing for all those years but you got to be around and you get the opportunity at the end of the day when the seat comes open and i had a race team and i knew like jr todd's right there or sean lang is there that's not too hard for me not to say hey I'll take either one of you. Let's go. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's let's roll. If I want to win, those are the drivers I want. You get right. what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's no-brainer. Like, you know, it's certain things you see like, oh, I see so. Oh, I don't want that one. You know what I mean? Like, you, you kind of know because you see the work that you put in and the work that you did. You know right. what I mean? And Absolutely. nobody want to – and if you're in racing, you don't want to show up to lose. No. Who wants to show up and lose? Everybody yeah, you ain't out there just to make runs. You want to win. Oh, yeah, exactly. No. I say let's go one qualifying run and let's race. <laughs> That's it. That's because you bracket race. I just want to race, man. The time runs are overrated. <laughs> That's it. They need to put a little money. In, they need to put a little money in the pot and qualifying. That ain't no shit. You That's know? why the wind light needs to be on. Hey, we we've been saying this. Make- Ryan Loans is on here watching. I saw. Yeah, He'll start do, laughing. Do something. Do something like when you're racing. Do something like. For points or something, I don't know. Hey, how many guys come up to you? Not, say, not just the top three: Richmond, Atlanta, the East Coast races, betting. Oh, oh, they bet all the time, but now they can't. 
because there's no wind light in, in qualifying. qualifying. Oh, come on, come on. See, the thing about it is, like I said, too, it make it very simple. And I think if you can win with reaction time on Sunday, that should all play a part of qualifying. Right, so you can win and qualify. Yep, and if you put all that on, you put the wind light on, you put everything on, and all you see is a combined time. So now, put it this way. It's like this. So in qualifying, right, well, let's just take Tiger Woods, or let's, I don't care who we use, we could use anybody, yeah. right? Take Phil Mickelson or whatever it is, right? So you mean to tell me, if you all hit from the same tee, and it's 600 yards away, right, that shouldn't count? Because he could hit it closer or not as far. You get what I mean? Like, well, this is take this, let's take that out the equation because it's like that's handicapping him. Right. You get what I mean? Because you're handicapping people, right? Well, if we want more value, like, you know, people want more value for sponsorship, right? Well, a sponsor pays more to be with a great team, right? Well, a sponsor's going to want to pay more to be with a great driver. So if you have to count on everything, so you first, one, when you're qualifying, you ain't staging deep. Right, your state. Yeah, you ain't staging deep to qualify, yeah. right? You everybody flickers the bubble on, right? Yep. Then you tie the reaction time into with that qualifying, right? Bring more of the driver into the equation. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all these teams, you know, and it's nothing to it because a crew chief is a valuable position. Well, I I think right now, I mean, you look at you know what crew chiefs get paid and what crew chiefs do. Crew chiefs are the most valuable asset to the team. Absolutely. Yes, because you could take. A really badass car that if it's got a few hundreds on everybody else, you can put an average driver in it and it's going to win. Yeah, I mean, you, you can have yeah. a driver that that's going to go eighty on the tree. Yes, you know, I mean, it, you know, we we've seen it. Yeah, but I think that you know, I mean, shoot, remember back five six years ago when we raced top fuel? Oh yeah. I mean, you could be oh sixty on the tree. Oh yeah. There, you know, and, but it gets tight. You have, yes. You have more cars in the field. You have a lot tighter racing. But I definitely think getting getting the the driver into the equation, making the driver more valuable. I mean, it's, it's a big, valuable thing, but I think it's more of a, right now in the, our sport, it's a 70-30. Absolutely. 70% crew chief, 30% driver. Yeah. And and the thing about this, this is the other thing, too, is that a lot of people put a lot of value on crew chiefs, and the crew chiefs can be great, but also a lot of people don't see behind the scenes a lot of crew chiefs, why they're so great. They bring their people with them. Well, they have a great yes. crew. That you get what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, because, look at Proc. He takes his guys oh, with him wherever he goes, why, right? Why do you think the formula stays the same right. where he goes? And you know what I mean? And BC, Bryant going over there. They already had a great team, but Bryant took a couple of his key players that he always worked with before. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you look at all the teams that do great, and when a good crew chief leaves, he don't go with his own suitcase. He goes with, like, eight other or yeah, at least I'm six other Yeah, I'm taking my clutch guy with, with me. Yeah, this, because what happens is – that's a lot. That's a lot of change, because I saw teams that have good crew chiefs and the crews are mediocre, and you can't tell that Those crew chief mistakes. that crew chief ain't crap. Yeah. Well, you look mistakes. at what Army did back in the day. They had the same guys for a long time. Oh, brother, that, and that's and what they, they had. Alan so. Johnson. And yes. They had uh, you know yes. uh, Brian Hughes and Jake. J- Jake. Jake and I mean they they had that core group, but it was the same guys for years, and there's no mistakes on the car. No. You have no mistakes on the car. Crew chief does their job. That's tough to beat. And see us drivers. Then you put a good driver in it with like Tony. Yep. See us drivers know that, but the funniest part is a lot of team owners don't know that. 
They yeah, you think you're just getting the crew chief, and well, why the yes. hell aren't you winning? Yeah, and 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 my thing is, is that when you're at the ground level and you live it every day, that's what other people don't see. And all I know is, if I had enough money and I could pay all my crew guys and and my crew chiefs, brother, all my crew guys will be well taken care of because <laughs> I won't want nothing to change. And everybody will be. I'll, I'll even give them their own title. Well, you're you, the crew chief of the clutch. You're, you're right, the crew yeah, chief. Of the, all my people right, on my team are crew chiefs. Right. <laughs> They're all crew right. chiefs. But ain't none of them going nowhere. <laughs> They're all engineers. That's right. They're all whatever <laughs> specialists. You want. That's right. And crew every, chief you know clutch and, specialist. And, and you know what? And I had the money. I'll pay all of them. And you know what the deal about is the way I would change the sport is that the way I would like to change the sport if I ever had enough money to do it is that I will have two truck drivers. All my guys will fly. Every single one of them fly. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the other forms of motorsport, well, maybe not IndyCar, but NASCAR, like, the truck driver doesn't work on the team. No. Most of them. Right. No. Yeah, I mean, we actually had a deal when we were with the Allen Abbey team is that we had, uh, like, a lottery in the beginning of the year mm-hmm. where crew guys, they would fly to two races. You know, we'd have one one crew guy from each team mm-hmm. uh, would kind of go in the lottery. They'd pick, you know, from, you know, you get one to seven. They'd go back and forth, snake draft it, and then... They would fly, pick their races that they wanted mm-hmm. to fly to and from, which that so, means a lot to the guys. When oh, hundred percent, yeah. Because I mean, you get those, you know. I mean, if you get the number one pick, well, then you're probably going to take maybe the Seattle race because after the swing, nobody wants to drive well, back from Seattle. Seattle. So yeah, you get those opportunities that you can fly to the race, fly back, and it kind of breaks it up a little bit. You know, it keeps but, them all happy. Yeah, it's that little bit of incentive yeah. incentive that that you get that go a long way with them, and then those couple extra days at home. Where the wives aren't on them anymore. Yeah. Yes. Or well, a little less. It seems like at the end of the day, a lot of times that's a reason that guys will leave because their wife, their girlfriend's mad that they're gone yeah. on the road so much to where like you do things like that, then keeps them happy. Yeah, Matt Sackman, he actually just he's listening. Yeah. He said, Riding in the truck right now, big daddy. Sure would be <laughs> nice to fly. Yeah, see. And and the reason being is at the end of the day. Is that those guys get burnt out? Those guys and girls. So there's girls working on those crews too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the thing, and the thing that I look at is, is that think about any professional team. They got rest days, they got periods because you want them to perform. How much better will your guys be if they're well rested, not to make a mistake? Oh, they work on a 330 mile an hour race car and rebuild the engines in 35 minutes. Okay, and then they got to service all that junk. They got to server all those parts, right? Yeah, they're there for a few hours after they yeah, run. Yes, and and when you look at it, that's where your performance comes from. How many crew guys will be more inept to stay after on a Monday and test because they flew in? Oh, yeah. A lot of them are like, oh, we got to test, man. We stunk it up this weekend. We got to test. Right, man. yeah, they're pissed oh, about man, it. Oh, man, Exactly. Because they're burnt out. <laughs> yep. But if you had two truck drivers to drive them and they flew in, They'll come in there like ready for bear. Right. You know what I mean? They can come back to the shop while the truck's getting driven back to the shop, work on things in the shop and get it ready. It's just like a little thing that costs more money. But the thing about it is the way our sports always seen it is not the proper business model. Right. Well, it's not the proper business model for a business, but we're in the performance game. This is a whole different thing. We will spend millions of dollars for blower development. Or for this development, or for this rod, or for this block, but we can't spend it on the performance of the efficiency of the guys on our race team. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good point. We've talked about a few different business models that could probably change it for the better. That's uh, yeah. I wanted to go into that. So that was my next question. Say you're 
leading the ship at NHRA. Like, what would you do different to make our sport better than what it is now? Man. Because he and I are always talking about this, and we come off usually as assholes with our ideas. Well, you, you know, honestly. Well, we are. <laughs> you, you, well, you know, honestly, is that change takes time, of course, right? But our sport stayed too stagnant for such a long time. Yes. Okay. Now we're heading in the right direction with the TV package, and it's growing. But as I see, I think our venue needs to be more entertainment-wise. Like, if you look at any deal that's out there, they have festivals now, mm-hmm. right? That's what makes Indy so big. That's what makes NASCAR so they have red carpet with movie stars on mm-hmm. it, right? 100%. Well, hold up. Think about this. What, who's our sport sponsored by? Mel Yellow. Who's that? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. How many artists does Coca-Cola sponsor that sing? They're like one of the right? biggest companies in the world, yeah. man. Well, they, they got so many. They got artists, access to so many things. They have, brother. They sponsor. They pay artists. Their artists are Coca Cola artists. They didn't give right. you tickets to any of their concerts because they sponsor them, right? So this is my thing. When's our sport the best one is seen? In the daytime or at nighttime? Simple. We have nighttime Friday night qualifying, right? Mm-hmm. Well, some races, in my opinion, and it help cut cost. One thing I would change is I'll look at different markets that we go to, have studies done, and I'll pick certain markets that have two-day races. Will we race on a Saturday night? Amen. Right? We, we used <laughs> right? to do this in IHRA. You'd get, I think, two runs Friday. Mm-hmm. I think one run Saturday morning, morning. And then we raced. That's what you could do. And, and, then, and, what you, and, and my feeling is, too, is when you do it at nighttime, do you know when you have a little downtime? That's when you have the concerts, or you have the concerts oh, in the middle of the piece. Yeah. Or after the end of the race, when the race win is done at nighttime, you have the concert right there and have all the people in the stand. Oh, yeah. You get what I mean? And let them rock it out on the racetrack. Let them come down to the racetrack. You know what I mean? And it happens right after the winter circle. So now you're getting people that's going to come see that artist that's never seen our sport. Never saw our sport. But then they came and saw our sport because they were waiting to see the concert afterwards. They're right, like, yeah, exactly. This is the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Some cross-promoting this is, there. This is yes. crazy. The, the entertainment side of it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, utilize your, your assets of what you have, of your the land. I yes. mean, you, you look at, like, the Midway. The Midway's gone down a little bit. But I think utilizing your space in the Midway and, and creating entertainment and value for the fans to show up yes. and not just have one or two or three options. You know, I think going in there and, and – creating this this big thing like you say bring in a concert or bring in different things even if it's not creating initial value but i think in the long run what you'll gain out of it by the experience of what the fans will get out of it you're going to create that value in the long run by more ticket sales more people coming them telling their friends word of mouth t-shirt sales like i feel like the tracks could even work within themselves like the vegas track maybe we race there saturday night the cup guys are racing sunday afternoon something like that like all the fans are already there. You're going to have even more fans. NASCAR fans haven't ever been to a drag race and vice versa. Sorry about that. Give, give some kind of discount incentive to each one of them. I mean, Sunday, let's be honest, Sunday's tough. Sunday's tough to compete with because you think oh, now, now we got football. Well, yeah. yeah, a lot of people go to church. A lot of people have kids that have sports. They got to be at work on Monday. They got to be at work on Monday. Yeah. So if it goes late to Sunday night, they're not going to go. Um, you got football. You got baseball. You got golf. You got, I mean, there's a lot of things yes. to compete with. But I think I think you look at what Supercross has done, and Man. they excel. They Saturday night shows, brother. It's Boom. awesome. 
Oh, the races Saturday, are always full. Laser shows, yeah. laser yeah. shows. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Their driver intro is like nothing compares to it. Yeah, and and we got that. And the thing about it is, our cars bring the fireworks. Yes, you know what I mean. And and when I look at all of it, is certain is certain markets that three day races, you might as well go ahead and do it. Like Sonoma. It's packed every day. Yeah, hundred percent. But right. you can still, Gainesville, yeah, there's certain places. There's certain place you can do that. But the thing about it is, you just got to start going with the thing. And and at the end of the day, we all know this in business, it takes money to make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to spend a little bit to receive a little bit. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I think like a great starting point would be a track like Norwalk or a track like Bristol. To do oh, a Saturday man. night thing. Just because, do it one time yeah. and see how it works. Right. But I think like a track like Bristol, I mean, we all know, like Bristol's a great track, but Sunday when it gets hot, that track is tough to get down. Yes, it is. But you put that on a night race, that track becomes good. Well, and you're going to get the fans. Well, you want to do, so, at the end of the day, it's a simple thing that everybody just needs to look at. Wh- who is our customer? Who's our customer? Is the fan. Right. right? So why are you going to have races in the summertime, in the middle of the day, on a Sunday, when it's 95 degrees outside, and you're smoking them, and you got to have ambulance there to take them out because they're passing out in the stands, right. and the humidity's through the roof, and it's blazing hot. Yeah. Would either one of you sit in the aluminum stands when it's no, hot, no, drinking I'd, beer? I'd be I, underneath the bleachers drinking right. beer. I saw people look up in the stands and say, man, I'm sorry for these fans, and they walk <laughs> right back to their job, which, which is in the AC. And I'm like, I'm like, I said... <laughs> This is our customer, right? And I want our customers to be happy. And when we have night shows, they're energetic. But the thing about it is, if you have a night show, you cannot open the gate until like two or three in the afternoon. Because what happens? You open the gate at nine a.m. They're going to be there from nine a.m. and burnt out by the time. Yeah, the they're going to be over it. You know what I mean? Right. You got to. If you have a night show, you have to have the gates open at a certain time. So it's a six six hour window. Or whatever it is. It's like a race day window. Right. Have your window just like race day window. Like you, gates open up, race starts at 11, race is done done by 4.30. Correct. Right? Yeah. Six hour window. So it was five and a half hours there, but six hour window, you do that, get them in there, and man, I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, you do night shows and you start, and you put a concert on, let's say this, you get enough money to put Bruno Mars there, or Whoever, you know what I right. mean? Any big name. Oh, Lord have well, mercy. Well, that, that'll, that'll draw in thousands of people on its own. That's what I'm saying. And then his and then when you tie his his core fans with NHRA fans, which is going to be the younger, to the to the, to the little bit older crowd, too. Well, you'll, you'll get a younger still, age demographic, for sure. They'll come there, but then they'll say, look how hip this is. Because our sport is hip. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yes. And all it takes is just one driver to take that one fan and say, come inside the pit, check out the race car, get a picture. They're hooked for life. Yep. And yep. that's where our sport excels because it's diverse. You Absolutely. see women, chick, old men, young men, black, white, cream. I don't care what color you are. We got all in our sport. Dragsters, funny cars. Cars, car, pro mod, whatever. Bikes. Bikes. I mean, we do it all. Dude, and I, and I think pro mod's so badass right now that oh. this, this class has got to get promoted. I want to like, race pro mod. <laughs> this class is fun to watch because it's, it's they're unpredictable. That is what's so awesome about them. You could never and actually, there's parity. Like all the there's three three different badass cars within one class. Right, but I yeah. think the whole field last weekend was I don't know separated by like seven hundredths of a second. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's like you said, there's so many different options and cool cars and driver personalities in that class. But I, I mean, I'm kind of I know West Buck was promoting this big time on his show i think it was last week or something but 
they need to bump up Pro Mod a little bit. That that class is badass, man. They got I, and they got some good personalities in the class. And, and you know what the crazy part is? The price point to race a Pro Mod for a full year is very affordable, uh, and it brings up that much action. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if those things ran the same amount of races as Pro Stock, you could probably do that cheaper. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's a no-brainer. But I don't even know what, what they race for. What, what, uh, yeah, I don't either. What, no. what, what is it to what, win a Pro Mod? I don't know what it is, but all I know is those guys just like beating up on each other. Yeah. Because you, you got the baddest behind door-slamming car in the country. Here's the thing. Period. If you opened up the entry and you paid them serious money, you would get, I bet, at least 50 cars per race. Yeah, they turn, they oh, turn them sure. away. They turn them away yeah, now. Yeah, they cut it off at 30-something now. When I ran I-Trade, there would be at least 50 of them at a race. <laughs> yeah. It would take two hours to run the session. Well, yeah, if everything goes well. Yes. Right, yeah. I mean, it didn't go well. That's the problem. <laughs> that's why it took two hours. But, yeah, like it was awesome. Like To me, that's what... Our sport needs something like that. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, you can't have all the sportsman guys and what have you, which we need them also. But I would sit in the stands and watch fifty pro mods trying to qualify. Yeah. Oh, I would because <laughs> yeah, that's I exciting. Mean, I mean, I tell you what, when when I get done racing and pro mod runs after, I'm generally you could generally find me in the grandstands with the red solo cup. Yeah, uh, like red, red get, solo cup. It's going to get interesting. <laughs> hey, you know it's another interesting class, and I only saw because I went to another series. I was watching pro mod, like you said. But I think the only thing that will help our series out with Pro Stock, I think they just need to change them all to Mountain Motor. That's my own personal opinion. I saw Mountain Motor Pro Stock, and they run just like Pro Mods. They're all over the place. Yes. You, t- you, take, you take those $20,000 shocks out. You put some normal shocks. You put a price limit on shocks. You say, you can't buy shocks that cost more than $2,000. Right. Okay? And then yeah. you put a Mountain Motor that can be up to 900 cubic inches in them. Them cats are running 620s. That's fast. Okay. I, I don't know if any of them still do it, but back in the day, like 10 years ago, a lot of them guys like were still pulling levers. They didn't have the yeah. old like no. bang, bang, bang. Like that. Yeah. That's the like, Lenko. Yeah. Boom. That's boom. how it needs old to be. Old Bob Glinton back in the yeah. day. Yes. <laughs> the, with the open face. They need to bring back open face helmets. <laughs> but that's what puts action in the sport. You know what I mean? Like our cars, they like, you know, they did make them go fuel injection. But my personal opinion is that I think that you can let them be fuel-injected, whatever they want under hood, carburetor, whatever they want, but let them be mountain motor because now you're going to give them enough power where it's not about if they make 20 more horsepower, they're going to go quicker. Right. Now right. their deal is going to be about putting it to the ground and finessing Yeah, they might it. have too much. Yeah, and they will have too much, right. and, the, and then the engine cost will go down because you ain't got to worry about revving to the Making moon Making an no extra more. five horsepower for yeah. next week. Yeah, right. like you, you ain't got these deals where people got to pay – you know, whatever it is. I don't know how much they pay a lease a weekend, like $100,000 much. for the lease an engine package <laughs> for a weekend. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's maybe forty or 50000 a race or something like that, but I, I'm not really sure. I, I don't but know yeah, either, Regardless, I mean, it's more than it's more than you can win. Yeah, well, I, go, I see other series that have Mountain Motor Pro Stocks, and they got over 20 cars that show up. Right. Because it's affordable. Yeah, well, they could – and they're – but they're like – Racing like hardcore, like yeah. I mean, they're going. They 620s. all have a chance to win. Yes. Yeah. And you could buy engine. You could buy engine for a hundred and fifty grand and race it all year. Well, right. Hundred and fifty grand more than I got. You know, but, but hey, it's better than it's better than spending like one point two million on the engine program. Yeah, that is a fact. That is a that's ten yeah, percent, and, and that's <laughs> and that's that's what that's what stinks about the class right now is just the fact of like losing losing some big talents in the class. I mean, yeah. obviously with Tanner 
going out and then with Drew Skillman going out next year. Maybe Bo Butner. Uh, maybe Bo Butner talking about maybe doing some other things. Um, who was it that, that quit early, a few races ago? Uh, John, was it John Gadosh? Uh, Gadosh, yeah. John Gadosh. Um, but, I mean, yeah, more importantly, I mean, you look at like some of these younger kids that are in the class that are great talents, great personalities, hell of drivers. Man. I mean, some excellent driving talents, but not coming back next year. Well, you all think about it. When we grew up as kids watching this sport, pro stock was like a premier class. Like I grew up, and I used to remember watching like Lee Shepard, like WJ, yep, you know, Bob, Bob Glenn, right. you know what I mean? Like like Mark Osborne, you know what I mean? Bruce like Allen, Bruce Scott Jeffrey Al- on. Yeah, Darryl, Bruce I mean, Allen with the, with the rare Morrison yeah, car yeah, or the yeah. Lee I. Garrett car, I mean – they were like household names. Yeah, they're all they're in commercials. R- Ricky man. Smith, <laughs> yeah. Tricky Ricky, Tricky Ricky. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, we all know these names, and you don't forget them. No, no, yeah. no man. And you look at it, you're like, what's what's going on? You yeah. know what I mean? The price has got way out of out of reach. I mean, pro stock car costs so much, almost as much as a fuel team. Right, and racing for half the amount. Yeah, yeah, that's where, to me, the problem was once it started costing as much as it does to run one of our cars, like, why would you run one? Yeah. You're right. For what you're making, you know, what the payback is. Yeah. Because even the payback for us isn't good for what we spend, so why would you do it for way less? If you win every race throughout the year, like, you still won't meet budget at the end of the year. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's why we have to change. We That's that's one thing that our our sport with the TV – that's where we have to head. Like, now we're starting to get the viewership. Well, our viewership, last time I checked, look at NASCAR. NASCARs was, like, down, like, 2.4. Right. They used to be, like, over a 4. Right. But they're still getting money for their TV. So, hopefully, we can get that and we could trickle it back because well, I'm I with think you. that's our, the next step. Our, our payouts our payouts have to double, more than double. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, when you win a race, you should be you should be racing for a hundred grand, and we should be racing for a million to win the championship. Absolutely, yeah, they were racing in Rockingham last weekend for a hundred grand bracket racing. Yeah, like, um, and at the end of the day, a million dollars. Come on, man, I it's mean, not enough. Still, no, but at least no, it sounds no, good. No, it, it does sound like you know, a million. I mean, they give a million dollars on TV shows like it ain't nothing, right? Got <laughs> a deal or no deal? That's get right. that. That's right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that there's there's with some changes you know it takes time like you said but i think with the tv show how things are going i mean a lot of things are trending up in the sport and that's that that is a positive but i think it's it's going to take a big change you know i think uh one thing that that we're lacking is like commercials getting yes drivers like sometimes i watch a tv show and i and i see nascar drivers yes in commercials like with sponsors that sponsor our car right yes it's like well, I mean, that's we we need to get the yes. our, our our sport those faces out, and I I don't know I don't know what what how you would do that. I mean, do you go? Well, that's that's where just does like that we, start? Just like we were talking just earlier, that's where I just had a meeting with Toyota about that, and uh, I was there just talking to him. So I uh, I will be featured in a commercial coming up here soon. There Good. you go. So so uh, and you know Leah has pretty much spearheaded that like she's been doing those commercials with dodge and stuff like that you know what i mean but uh but this is going to be more national television it's not it's going to be on our drag race yeah, it needs to be during football this, games this, exactly things like that. this is what we need to be on yes and and to get in other households that's what we need to start doing we have to start thinking outside the box and for the certain partnerships that we have 
we got to start leaning on those partners that are outside of our sport to do that. You get what I mean? And, 100%, and, yeah. and, and that's what we got to do. And, and NHRA, even lean on Coke with Mellow Yellow. Let's do commercials, but why can't we play some of those commercials on some of their other stuff? That's He has mentioned this before, Sean. Like, why can't it be an incentive to win the championship? You're going to get featured in a Mellow Yellow commercial next year. The uh, four, like the all, four, all four champs yes. get Fight, a commercial. Pro Stock, Funny Car, and Top Fuel. I, you win the championship, you. You're in a commercial for next year. I think that'll that's what it should be. And I think I can even do the screenplay for it because y'all could be joking around and be like, hey, man, what you drinking today, man? You How you feel? I'm feeling a little mellow. You need a little yellow? Yeah, I need mellow. some yellow. <laughs> you know, we can make that yes. happen. But, but that's how you're going to get it to be hip and actually get that brand out there. Like the number one competitor, we all know what it is, of mellow yellow. Mm-hmm. Right? How oh, many yeah. commercials do they have out a there? Lot. A and, lot, and a lot of them are edgy and funny. Yeah, edgy we need to come up with some like type with Kevin of Kevin di- Hart on the edge. How much more edge is our sport? Our sport is all the edge you need. Yes. We're the most it's powerful. Is, it sells Boom. itself, man. Yeah, we need to come up with like a cool slogan, like "Dilly Dilly" or something. You know, absolutely. You know, you know I mean, we could do some. Yeah, I remember, remember the old, old remember the old commercials back in the day. He's like, like, like. Ah, <laughs> <What's that? laughs> we we need to do our own version of that, but with our sport deal in it. And uh, you know what it takes? What it takes is having conversations like we're having right now. That's what it takes. Mm-hmm. And and to get it out there and to lean on our partners. Like how much do they really lean? We're not just leaning on budget. Well, yeah, you pay this for our sport, but how much can we lean on you to market our sport? Right. That's the key. We need partners that's going to market our sport. Take it mainstream. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're already in the mainstream. It's got to spend the money, but it takes money. Yeah. But this is my pitch that I always tell people. Our sport, best well-kept secret that a lot of people don't know about. But once they know about it, they're like, wow. We're that low-bearing fruit on that tree. So what does it take that low-bearing fruit and you take it and you expose it to the world and make it blossom into a big fruit. Didn't take you a lot of money because you have to take a big piece of fruit like a Kevin Hart that you're paying millions of dollars to to make him blossom it. But if you take this and you bring it up with all the stars that we had in our realm, how big could that be? Well, and and you grow it together. A- absolutely. Yeah. And you grow it, but it doesn't cost them a lot of money to grow it because they start from down here and it will go to where it's big and widespread. Right. Because we have a person in our sport that every person can relate to. Absolutely. What other sport can you go and do that? Not many. I mean, not not that I can think of. I mean, in our sport, you from top to bottom. I mean, you you have the guys that are racing in the sport because that's their living, male or female. You have guys that race in the sport because they have other jobs and they have other businesses that pay for it. Right. They all have a story. Every every everybody's got a story. All right. Give me this. What sport can you go into that you can market? Tampax, Geritol, Viagra, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you Powerade, you can race, you can all represent one. all the above, like, you know, Hanes underwear, t-shirts, you can, you can Colt represent 45, OD, <laughs> sounds Cold like you got Light. six race cars coming your you know, way, but you get what I'm saying, but think about it, we are one of the only sports that you can actually market every product out there is in our sport, yep, every yep. sport, you cannot say that. I, I agree. We just need to work on that. A lot of truth thing. there. Yeah. I, yes. Right. Which I'm glad that he came on because 
some of the things that we talked about, you and I have talked about, and it's like these these guys, the blah blah, they're just talkable. A lot of people respect Antron and what he says, and I feel like that goes a long way to where now it's like okay, he's saying the same things. Like this is what needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, well, well, I know yeah, it's not gonna happen overnight, but like let's get the ball rolling on some of this shit. Yeah, well, I, I agree, man. I mean, you, look what Antron. I mean, Antron, you, you've been around from you know, <laughs> racing in the two thousands with you know a lot of like the legends. Oh you yeah. Know, for that 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 are out here on the legends tour and stuff and then you know now racing with the, like the newer generation and all that so you've you've seen the transitions of of the sport yes. you know and and the ups and the downs and the progressions and the declines and all that but you know i i think that there's there's always you know difference of opinions but i mean definitely i think it's getting these opinions across and and, and working on them and and taking them to the next level because I think our sport's close. It, it is really close, but I think it just it needs to get pushed a little bit harder. Absolutely. Yes. And, and the difference of it is, is like, you guys, I hear what you're talking about all the time. But the difference of it is you're not just talking about it. You're giving solutions about it. It's a difference when you hear other people and other knuckleheads complain about stuff. Yeah, right. They'll, like, and I hear it all the time. And you hear it all the time. Oh, that's just stupid. Yeah. Okay, well, if that's stupid, how are you going to fix it? Give us a solution. Exactly. Right. And, and and that's the difference is that we all love this sport with our heart and soul or we wouldn't be here doing what Absolutely. we do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're we're just not talking about the issues. We're trying to give solutions. But the thing about it is we all gotta do it together. And and you know what? And granted, I hear it all the time, it takes time, it takes time, but at the end of the day, it's time to take that step. Don't say it takes time. It takes time. And well, I've heard it takes step. time since 2009. You know what I mean? Same here. Since I started driving in 2006. But now it's like, now is the time to take advantage, I feel like, with all the other forms of motorsports, the big motorsports, supposedly, that we're right behind or right with, that they're struggling. Like, we need to capitalize on that. Absolutely. Yeah, we just don't need to get pace with them. We need to pass them. Yes. yes. And, and the thing about it is, you know how you make people work harder and you keep everybody on the same page? You reward everybody. Okay. Incentives. Think about it is it's not about you know you always hear people like we're all in this together. How many times you always hear we're all in it together? Oh, hundred. Everybody does. Hell, but yeah. think about it is at the end of the day we have to really stand by that statement that we're all in it together. You get what I mean? Like, all right, well, well, I did this. Well, then when I need this, why is it so hard for me to get this? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, we're in this together. All right, let's be I in this together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, and you know what? And it's not even about tickets or nothing like that. That yeah. thing should just go away. And A Train knows it. Yeah. They all everybody knows it. Don't even count tickets. Like you go to other forms of sports, if drivers need tickets for friends or family, whoever they need it for, or somebody want to write to drive, give them whatever they want and make them feel VIP. Yes. Because oh, they're gonna 100%. come back. Yeah. So my thing is, is that I remember when Winston used to run this sport. I started racing. My first year of racing was nineteen ninety eight. Okay? Race pro stock bike. I was Freaking 19 years old, right? So when I came in this sport and I saw that, Winston used to do anything. These are kind of people come to your trailer. With tickets. With tickets. How many like, you needed. What you need? <laughs> like, they, like they were like, I remember that. Like, but they also give you all the smokes you need too, but nobody smoked. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Had a suitcase full of cigarettes, cartons of them. That's it. <laughs> but the, Sell them on the corner. But the difference of it is I remember – you used to go show up for press conferences, and they used to write you checks for twenty five hundred bucks. You get what I mean, like fifteen hundred bucks. But the thing about it is, it's like a profit sharing deal. The thing about it is, is that if you're there and you sell tickets to a race or you do stuff, 
If you start sharing with with the people around you, they're going to put that extra work in to do more because it's shared. And like they 100%. like like you know the proteins bring the show. You know what I mean? There, there's no secret. The fuel ranks put the people in the stands. Right. Correct. Knew, I knew it when I raced pro style bike. Bikes had their own filing. People used to stay in the stands for the bikes too. You know what I mean? Pro style car. It was a little stagnant. They used to have their own following too, but that's been dwindling back and forth. You know what I mean? Right. So, but now, if that's the case, do a little sharing. If you have a sold out crowd race, give a little kickback to the teams yeah. that showed up. Mm-hmm. Because it cost them a lot of money to get there. Them hotels ain't getting no cheaper. Well, and and you got to pay for your t-shirt trailer to be there, and you got to pay for hospitality space, well, you buy got, out catering. You got, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of costs. Well, I know one thing, and I fought fought this battle for a long time because, like you know, I started selling a lot of t-shirts. Okay, uh-huh. took me a while, but we're getting there. Where we started selling a lot of t-shirts, and when you start when you start seeing other entities making more money on your own t-shirt than what you do. That's a problem. Big problem. You know, so, but the thing about it is, that's what is our livelihood. That's what keeps us going, mm-hmm. right? That's not going to hurt you, but it will help us out a lot more. Correct. You know what a I mean? thousand percent. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? So, so that's not going to make a big difference for you, but it's going to make a huge difference for us. Right. You know what I mean? So, and I know this is the venue. This is your venue, right? But at the end of the day, we're in this together, like we always said. So how can we we really get nickeled on it? Then we ain't going to have no money to come back. How can we be in this? We got to sustain ourselves. I remember the Midway used to be able to come on the Midway. Tell me, Jay, you know, Sean, you used to be able to come on the Midway and build a race car off the Midway. You dang right. You'd go out there and get lost. There's so much stuff to do out there. But now, like, it's, Yeah, I I mean, back when I was racing Super Comp, I mean, if dang near anything broke on the car, you'd go right to the Midway. Right. And, I mean, you know, you'd, you'd spend... 20 minutes filling out the contingency form off of all these companies. And we see it in the bracket race. The bracket racing is that these companies are, are willing to, to give back to the racers there. I mean, you go to these bracket races and they're giving away best losing packages, first round, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And I'm sure you see a lot of it in the juniors too. You know, oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of these companies they're, they're willing to, to, to give back, but it's got to make sense for them too. Absolutely. They have to have, a, they have to see a return. You know what I mean? And, I'm glad y'all talking about the juniors because uh, we got a big junior race coming. The finals coming up here, and yeah, and you know what? I'm inviting both of y'all two out unless unless y'all racing. But it's the, not this weekend that we race Charlotte, but the weekend we have off next weekend. Oh man, I'll be I'll be going. Right. Oh, homie's race. going for a big uh. I got, I'm racing the million. million. Well, you gotta take the million race. You gotta go to the million race. But Saturday night we're having our we're actually having our end of the year. Like we we have a race at Indy right here at Indy, okay, and we have our awards banquet Saturday night. Okay, right. right his award banquet, and we give out the big daddy, the big daddy's championship trophies to the all to all of our ten classes. Whoever won the championship, that's awesome. No kidding. Yeah, big daddy's a part of it. It's pretty cool. The Midwest Junior Super Series. Basically, it's a national event for junior dragsters. We have index racing, which is heads up pro tree yeah. on the index, and then we have. Outlaw, which is heads up to the three thirty, so you can do whatever you want to a certain size engine going as fast as you can. Them cats got one thirty sixty foots, and they run four twenties to the three thirty. Oh my god! Man, I wish we had this when I was a kid. <laughs> Holy smokes! They're I, getting it. I think when when I when I quit racing, we were at Bakersfield, and I think I we went like one sixty four to sixty feet. And we went like eight oh nine or eight ten or something like that. Uh-huh. But back then, I mean, this was you know ninety nine two thousand. 
That was flying. That's right. fast. But now they're three tenths quicker to sixty feet. That's nuts. Yeah, they're going four twenty at four hundred fifteen pounds. They have to have a certain weight too. So it's not like they're as light as they can be. <laughs> wow. So it's heavy going that fast. They're they're getting it, man. They're getting it. I mean, shoot. I know, like we run quick sixteen cars where you take all the weight off of them, and we run quick sixteen, which is a full tree to the three thirty, and you dial. We got cars out there running four tens, four oh nine to the three thirty. Because they can't run eighth mile because they're too quick. No, they let off and they coast <laughs> and they coast to the eighth mile and they'll go like seven fifty to the eighth mile, coasting, S- coasting from coasting the three thirty, from wow. the three thirty. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. So how have you ca- how have you guys been doing this year on your season? This with, year, with your this kids? year was a good season for us. But like Anson, he won the championship last year in a ten to twelve year old. But this is his first year racing seven ninety. So we went through some growing pains this year. Like we had right. like. Getting the car to run right, getting 790 and Ariana running 790, so we switched a different engine combination. It took me like half the year, but now they're running good, where they're actually competing, winning rounds. And my and my younger son, Atler, is running 890, and he impressed me this last weekend, man. He's racing full tree. He came off the trailer. That joker had an 040 light. I was like, wow, he's usually like 120 or 150, like not even a ballpark, right? Right. He dropped the 40 light in Q1, and in the first round elimination, he dropped the 020 on him. Oh, man. I was like, oh, oh. Junior trying to show up a little bit. <laughs> I say, all right, man, now you're not your mama's boy. Now you're my boy. Uh-huh. There you go. I'm claiming you now. I'm claiming you now. That's my boy now. That's uh-huh. my boy. That's awesome. Oh, shoot. Yeah, man, I have to do uh, a promo thing for Toyota Saturday after show. I'm kind of looking forward to it. We're going to uh, Lawrenceburg, my hometown, and do something at the dirt track down there. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that should be cool. But if I get back in time, I'm going to come check out the Big Daddy Awards. Hey, we'll be there late, and we do race on Sunday, too. So Sunday's just racing. It won't be no awards, but you'll be able to see the kids actually race. And right, it'll, cool. be, it'll be some fun. I'll be out there with my kids hanging, so you can just hang. All right, yeah. If you if you want to, if you get back on Sunday. But it's a good thing, man. And uh, it's, it's a race that uh, is in the name of Terry Chandler because this is the race that she always sponsored. Awesome. So, so the coolest part is that – the whole award ceremony, everything's going to be in her honor, her name for for now on out because she's the one that really helped us get this series going in the first place. Oh yeah, she's yeah. such a great yes. person. Uh, yeah, she's a sweetheart, and the Lucas yeah. family too. Of course, our our whole race series is Protective Harvest, Lucas Oil Race Series, yeah. and uh, Forrest and his wife Charlotte. Charlotte loves the kids, and they actually give us half the funding for the whole series, so they're our title sponsor for the whole series. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, it's I know stuff. that they're they're big advocates of you know next generation and and helping the kids and helping the up and coming you know drivers and all that. I mean, they've they've helped numerous people. So they, yeah, that's yes, that's well, definitely cool to see. Well, think about what they've done for everybody in this room. They yeah, absolutely. My, they sponsored my pro side bike where I had no sponsorship. <laughs> they gave me my first shot. You know what they I mean? Definitely kept me going. I didn't have a I didn't have a job or a sponsor or nothing. And back in uh, into 2006, and I told him I said, "Hey, I, I want to take a chance and I want to go race and try to race the the full NHRA tour to race for the Super Comp Championship." And they were the ones that gave me the funding to do it. So See that? that's awesome. you know what I mean. It's just yeah, they they're just an awesome family. Yes, give a lot of people a lot of opportunities. Absolutely, give a lot back. So do do we have any? Uh, man, we we've, we've been on for almost two hours now, man. Yeah, we have. Time flies An- again. Antron Antron's keeping this thing going. Stop. <laughs> do, do we uh, do we have any questions? I know we had some fans. We, there's some good ones that we saw. There's a couple uh, guys that emailed in questions. Uh, one guy, basically, what he was getting at, Robbie Wright. Wanted to know why, after a run, drivers, when they're asked a question, like, 
your car made a big move at the end of the track or it got loose or it got out of shape and the driver doesn't answer the question. They say, well, the crew's working really hard and this and that and blah, blah, blah. He wants to know why majority of the drivers give the same answer. I'll let you start off with that. Um, I th- well, I mean, I, there's there's numerous reasons why the car goes crazy. A lot of times you may not get asked a question in the right manner. So a lot of times, like rather than deciphering what the heck does this question mean, you just go straight to the script. And I'd like to thank my sponsors. Right. So a lot of it is really, you know, how the question is presented. And, you know, you get out of a run, your adrenaline's going, your, your mind's not, you know, you're thinking about all the things that just happened on the run. You're, you're not always you, focused on the question. Yeah. You're, you're trying to process everything. And, and there's just so many emotions going on. So sometimes when you get asked kind of a mediocre question, you're just like, nah, what, what? I'd like to thank my sponsors. Uh, I'd like to thank Toyota, Global, Wix, and all, you know. So you just go to that. That's that's always kind of your go-to. But um, I mean, there's numerous reasons why cars get loose on the top end. I mean, uh, typically in the summertime when the track's really hot, uh, you could be black tracking, you know, kind of yep. skating around top end. Uh, a lot of tracks have a transition <laughs> from concrete to asphalt. Yep. You'll hit the bump. And then it'll it'll unload the chassis and you'll start kind of going around. And then the other ones, the obvious is when it drops a cylinder, um, more so in a funny car, oh, yeah. will make a big move. But dragsters will also make moves mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. I also feel like maybe sometimes the driver just doesn't know why. Sometimes the driver oversteers it back 80 feet and then they got to <laughs> correct for it and they're overcorrecting and they that, just overdrive that happened, it. That happens it, also. It depends on who they ask the question to. You know, that's what yes. it depends on because some people are still so far behind the car they don't have no clue what's going on. That's and some people and some people and the ones they ask that to are behind the car, don't know what's happening. They don't ever ha- like ask it to a person that's usually there for a while or season because they don't ask that question because they didn't have that problem. Correct. Yeah, the run looked boring. So so it's like like it goes straight as an arrow, or if it did, you know, they can point out point blank because it dropped a hole. Right, like you know, like hey, it dropped the hole. You know what I mean? Or if you ask John Force that question, he didn't even know what you ask anyway. Yeah, he's not gonna answer. He's not gonna answer whatever you ask. What was that question? What was that question? Where was I? I love him to death, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I noticed a big difference in the funny car from the first couple runs that I made when I was getting my license was from just mentally being behind the car, and I'd hit the gas, and I'm just really everything's kind of a blur and I'm just holding on and I, and I'm steering it and, but I'm oversteering it. And then when, by the time that I notice that I'm getting out of the groove, I have to make a bigger adjustment because I'm noticing it late. So then when you make that big move to the, say the left or the right, then your counter steer has got to be twice as much to keep it yes. back. From, you're never from, catching back up. So you no. never catch back up. So you really just feel like you're 200 feet behind the car mentally and you're just holding on, but you're just sawing at the wheel. Now, when you're caught up on the car, you can make these adjustments when you're mentally caught up on the car and you notice it's like, okay, it's making the move. You make a proper adjustment and then the car looks straight. So you don't have Mm -hmm. that problem. But I mean, we all know you can make two, 300 laps in these, but every once in a while you're going to get that one run where it does something out of the ordinary. And then it kind of gets you back in that where you get behind the car mentality and you get out of the car and you're like, holy smokes, that seemed like I was going 400 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. You all puckered up. Yeah. Yeah. and you know what a lot of people don't realize in these cars is that once you make one correction move, you're countering it the rest of the way down the racetrack. And never just you make one move and it's back in the center. Once right. you make a move, 
it goes consistently the rest you're you're jiggling it the rest of the way down the racetrack it's just what it is yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah even more so the funny car it seems like once you steer it you never really go back straight with the wheel no no like, you just not. like giving it one of these the whole time because you unloaded that one tire and the one tire is bigger than the other and then you're constantly trying to balance it it never levels back out it just wants to hunt yeah then you feel like you're on a boat yeah, kind of yeah all it's all rocking all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Man. Is the other question, I mean, I don't know. We won't really have to talk about this. Doc Brown is the one who sent this. He was asking why uh, the purse payout is never disclosed, which I think it used to. I know that they used to disclose it on TV. like Just to show it. Yeah, they show it or say how much like was getting paid out that race. Like It was over a million, whatever. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know why it's a big secret. I don't secret even see now. it in the National Tracks. <laughs> no, it's in the fine print in the back. I yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they used to promote it because it was somebody got yeah. smart and said, "Stop showing that." Yeah, because in 1991, fifty thousand dollars was a lot of money, but 2018, what's the game plan? It's got to, it's going to change. It's got to change. It's yeah. not is is going to change. It has yes. to change, without a doubt. And then we can start promoting it. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, brother, I have a smile on his face then. Buy my kids some new shoes. <laughs> and new junior dress. Yeah, like you said, we need to race for 100 to win. Then we have a shootout race. And then that's like two, two, 250 50, to win. 250. Yeah, now, now we're Championships talking. a million. Yes. I think we need to have a million-dollar race, too. I'd love I think, that. I think an all-star race should be a million dollars. I'd love that. Hundred, yeah. That would be a bad to the bone race right and that's, there. That's that's where you go live on TV. Now, now you know you know you guys want my you want my opinion. Like okay, That's count. why we got you on the show. All right, all right I'm going I'm going to give you my final honest opinion on the countdown. And we got this brought up this last weekend and I think this is a perfect scenario. You know how we take the top 10 and they make the countdown for the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what happens is this is the way it needs to be ran. And I think this is the I think when I heard this and I started putting mine together, wrapping around, I think this this is the way our countdown should be. You make the top ten your countdown. None of the other cars can show up for the last six races, just the top ten. Then when you have the top ten, only eight qualify to race on race day. Ooh. That's Cause, not bad. Because now what you have now, you have a three round race. And you know what? Everybody has a good chance of not qualifying. And with, every, with, with, and with every round is every round is important every because you're running important. somebody. Exactly. You're running, you don't you, have you, you're not any, getting some duck well, first well, round. Th- this this is my problem. Okay. You should be my personal opinion is you should be rewarded because somebody went eighteen races. Eighteen races. Mm-hmm. And they come in number one. That should be your normal season champion. Call it whatever you want to call it. Mel Yellow Champ. Yep. Then to say it's Coca-Cola. Now we're going to race the Coca-Cola playoffs to the to the championship. Oh, take, yeah. Now you I take like your that. top 10 teams. So your regular season, 18 races, 500 grand. Now you're going to take your top 10 teams. They're going to race only eight qualify to race on Sunday. And now that gets paid a million dollars to win that championship. And now what you do, you take that top 10 teams, and they're getting all the pub all the TV because yeah. you're going to focus on all 10 of those teams because you're not going to share it with somebody that decides to show up. Right. Just say, I don't know, John Smith from, I don't know, Arkansas. Well, hey, I want to race one of these races. I'm just going to show up. Yep. Not in the countdown. You can't show up in the countdown. 
the Cleveland Browns can't play in the playoffs. Because well, they might this year. They might this year. They got two wins but already. You, but you get what I'm saying? Yes. I'm talking about in the past. Yes. The Cleveland right. Browns just can't show up and play the New England Patriots. No. Yeah, exactly. That don't happen. You got to earn your spot there. That don't happen. That should be people. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is, is because just saying like, just saying like I see it. I've seen people at these first two races of countdown. Our teams can't do it. But I saw people that lined up, right? All of a sudden, they have 200 lights first round because of who they racing. Mm-hmm. First round. And that was a free round. Mm-hmm. Now, how did they get that free round? Because they qualified in the top three. You, you get what I mean? They got that free <laughs> round, and they cut a 200 light because they know the other person ain't going to go down the racetrack. Mm-hmm. They smoked the tires. And they're basically testing that yeah, first yeah. round. So how's that a countdown race? Right. Well, I mean, we, we've seen it a lot in the we've past. We've seen it in the past. We've seen it in the past. I mean, everybody everybody doesn't want to admit to the game, but everybody knows the game. Yes. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at people bring out second cars for the countdown. People, you yeah, know, blocker, blocker cars. cars. Yeah, you can't. But you, and you say it's a blocker car, but then when you go up there and you race and the car smokes tires, like, oh, well, we didn't do. Well, everybody knows the game. At exactly. the end of the day, for the race teams, it's a business. They put us in these positions Yep. that you don't leave us any other option. We're not racing, you know what I mean? For big money. We got to take advantage of the opportunities because the sponsors are the ones paying the money and the sponsors want you to win. Exactly. Unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately sometimes that's how it goes. And it's the name of the game. Absolutely. And, and, And that's just the only thing that I ever said. Okay. You have to do this whole big deal to make this countdown to the championship. Right. Mm hmm. Well, you do that big deal. How can other people racing this on the same field? Well, yeah, exactly. When you got eight cars in it, everybody's racing. Exactly. Like, like you go in there and you say, well, we want to reward a top 10. Well, that's a perfect scenario. First, I always thought about, I thought about this for a while. And somebody came up and gave me that idea about, well, you keep the 10, but you only race eight on race day. They got to still qualify. Yeah. I was like, that's the best thing I ever heard in my life. Because at first I said it should just be the top eight and you qualify for position. Right. But you know what? You do have those nine and 10 cars are still right there. And we have some people that are still are like, I mean, look at it. Salinas, Brittany and all them. They're all around 10th, 9th, 8th. There's some cars that can win races. Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. So you take that top 10 brother. Tell me what that pucker factor would be to try to make that feel with them 10 cars that we have like 10, the top 10 funny cars, top 10 dragsters. Oh, you're not going to have an easy round. No, no. That's the way it needs to be. That's the, Cause that off. way, that way, if you're at the bottom, we keep the points thing the way it is. You got a way better shot at making up some ground on the leader then. Well, yeah. exactly, because you look yes. at what we have right now. I mean, you know, the top four, you know, you, you, you just have to make a good run down the track, not to discredit any other teams. But typically, if you're top four, top five, you're going to be in the second round unless if you just flat mess, mess up. up. Well, for, for the 10th place guy that's, you know, qualified typically six to eight, that's going to be very tough for him to catch up. But now you start playing in these other factors oh, yeah. where, you know, the – the number one qualifier, you got to race number eight. Well, number eight, you look at number eight in both classes. They're, they're like three hundreds away. They're 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 right there with them. And number one qualifiers, you start seeing a lot more number one qualifiers right. getting yeah. upset first round. Absolutely, something, something somebody else has mentioned in the past. Like reward, like number one qualifier, saying they count down like that instance. Let them pick who they want to race. Yeah. Ooh. You oh, want to race man. number two in the points, or you want to go for the you know. And the next one takes the next pick. Call out. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know who you got to race. It's like, you know what? I want you right now. Boom. Yep. Let me get you. And I'll tell you what. 
when someone picks on you for three or four weeks in a row and you lose and then they pick on you the next week and then you beat them, there's going to be a little jibber-jabber topic. Oh, yeah. exactly. oh, yes, it will be. Say, how you like that now, sucker? Yeah, Come get on, some on that. That's right. Because if, if you go in number 10 and you qualify, you're going to want to run number one, aren't you? Oh, I mean, if it, that's yeah, the I mean, only way you're going to get there, well, you got to take that, them out, right? Like, say, in opportunity, uh, uh, for instance, we go to Charlotte next week. I get in a position. Well, absolutely, I would, I would try to call out Robert Hype because I'm down at the bottom. I need the number one guy to go out. I'm going to try to take him out for me. Jr. Second in points, so that would be a good opportunity to do that. Now, is that probably the smartest move? No, I got to make sure I got my shit together. But it's going to make for a damn good first round. I'll promise yeah, you that. But that's the only shot you got. Yes, you got to be able to shoot that shot. Call out. You know, how cr- you know the drama from that would be. Oh man, they wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, they wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, and uh, then you start getting some some pre race where you you get some people probably talking a little bit of shit before first round. Oh, I yeah. guarantee it. And that's the thing going in the first round. Like you're all in the same boat. Then you're not giving that person. Rounds get better each time, you know what I'm saying? Like, you get number one qualifier first round, you're number ten. Like, that's going to be your probably best shot of getting them. Well, yeah, but how how about how cool would it be if you just go up there and say, "All right, I want so and so." That's the easiest draw first round. Oh, walk yeah, away. just get in their head. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're gonna get somebody you're, mad. Yes, yeah, some then people aren't be, be able to handle and, it. And, yeah. and what about you do the call outs at driver intro? That's what we're saying. That's, that's just all like like you're saying. Like you come Got up there, the like, therefore the, the crowd is going to be yes, into it. Then. They're going to be right there. All the fans are there. Let me tell you something. That's to make this sport a whole nother, a whole nother level. Mark another says level. we're making the corporate their head spin right now. <laughs> Mark, who said that? Mark uh, Fatori. I, I hope really? I don't mess his name up. <laughs> we're, we're only giving ideas and suggestions. That's the that's the. Yeah, man, we're just talking drag racing. Yeah, we're just giving ideas, suggestions, exactly. brother. But that top ten, and you qualify eight. That's the countdown. Uh, Slugger. Just said, you boys ready for the simulator shootout at TRD on Friday? Was, was there some kind of incentive on this, Sluggers, or money on the line? I can't even go because I got to go do the Army Yes program. Is in the there morning. money I'm, on I'm, the I'm, line I'm here? Upset oh, right now. Oh, bud. Yeah, so we get to do the uh, TRD simulator. I think he said that we're going to uh, race at the Roval. Oh, boy. Oh, man. We're yeah. going to go some other tracks besides the Roval. Well, because I saw the actual cup guys struggle with the Roval, so I know damn well some drag <laughs> racers are going to struggle with the Roval. <laughs> Just go straight. Just go straight. Dude, I'm, I, that is the – I mean, you want to talk – if you if you even think you like a video game, this is the ultimate video game sitting in a simulator. I mean, It makes me want to move to Charlotte. Just so I can go run NASCAR tracks all day long. They had something like that for drag racing. Oh, man. I mean, this is a full-blown simulator. You sit in with seatbelts, helmet, glove, or, you know. Yeah, well, the, you seat, gloves, the seat but. has airbags in it to simulate the Gs going into a corner, mm-hmm. like, when you hit the wall and all that. Like, oh, it's man. extremely you lifelike. Hit, you hit the wall, and it, it you feel it on a simulator. Richie oh, and I went there this spring. For whatever reason, you didn't get to go. But I came out of there like I was soaking wet. Oh, man. Because it's, it's a full-blown, like, it's got feedback in the wheel, and, I mean, you're... You're getting you're the working. arm pump. You're yes. working it. And you're, you're working, working around it. the turns. And, and you got, got a radio in your helmet. They're talking to you, you know, telling you where you need to pick up or let off and this and that. Like, it's legit. They got, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's badass. I can't give away too many secrets because it's Toyota's deal. I oh, know. Yeah. I, no. I used Well, I was supposed to go, and I had to go to the Yes program. And I was like, well, what if I come Thursday? They said, what time are you guys going? 8 Friday. to noon. Friday. Yeah. I was going Friday, too, but I'm, I got a Yes program from 845 to So you'll 11. be making the bucks. Yeah, yeah, see, 
We're just goofing we're, off. We're, we're playing just, video games. We're playing video games. You're, I'm you're out there making money. I'm going to inspire the youth. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're doing stuff. good things. But this is going this is going to be the end of the road for the Yes program for because the Army is uh, actually uh, leaving the sport. So it's going to be a re- really sad year for us this year. Yeah, that's, that's where. Uh, why can't we get another sponsor to pick it up? Well. They're going to still have the Yes program, but the Army's not going to gotcha. be a part of it. So you. NHRA will still have the Yes program with other partners. Like I think Ford's a part of it. Like you know what Bob Task is okay. doing some stuff, and uh, they have other companies like I think Mercedes was over there too, and a couple other different like LTI or different people or UTI or different technical colleges are part of it in certain areas. So they'll still have it, but it's just like I won't have to be at fifteen of them like I, like I've been at like every year. So it'll be a little different for me. I actually have some Friday mornings off, I guess. Oh, there you go. You get to sleep in a little then. Yeah, I get to sleep in just a little bit, man. You know, it, it's actually cool to see the kids because they get to walk around and do stuff like that too at the racetrack afterwards. So you get to come back over to the pit and show them around the cars and talk to them and see them because a lot of them never saw what we do. Right, yeah. And you're actually able to show them and they're like, wow, right. that car makes 11,000 horsepower. <laughs> uh-huh. I go, yeah, man. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes, man, I got a car with nitrous on it. It makes like a thousand. I said, no, no, if you drive on the street, Big Daddy, it makes probably like 400. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Exactly. Shoot, man. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, I'll just check it. We got, we got some people texting. They're, they're liking the show. That's oh, they're liking the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody loves... Oh, Not slug- everybody. Most people. Okay, there's, there's a select few that we've heard from Whatever, um, <laughs> that that don't prefer our show. We're a det- it's not for everybody. Detrimental to the sport, but I think I think we we do a good service, man. I like you know we we take a night off, we talk drag racing, yeah. bring guys like uh, Antron on that yeah, have some look, awesome so ideas. Remember when we had NHRA today back in the day, and it was on like midweek. Yes, remember that. Yes, like that's what I love. Like basically, that we're somewhat doing that. It's yeah, that's we what's need, happening we need, today. We need midweek stuff. Well, exactly, and that—that's—I think that's a big thing that we miss out on—is—is is the the during the week. I mean, you think about like the sports, right? Sports are on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. But Monday morning, what do you do? You flip on Sports Center and you yeah. watch all the highlights. I watch it every morning instead of watching the news. Right? Yeah, exactly. I don't watch the news. I watch I watch Sports Center. So you're finding out what's all the drama. What's the bad officiating. Yes. What? Who made yes. the good calls? Who made the bad calls? Who's, who's hurt? Who's hurt? Who's the top ten? Who, you know, it's just talking sports, but it creates it creates that discussion during the week where you're going to call up your buddy and say, "Hey, man, what about this? What do you think about that?" And then it creates that discussion where everybody talks. So that's what we're trying to do, man. We're just trying to get that discussion going, give everybody a little bit of something to talk about Tuesday, Wednesday before the race. And like Antron brought up some badass stuff tonight. He did. You some know? great points. Yeah. We just, I mean, just being just being open and honest. You man. might get called into a meeting this weekend. I'm just saying it's all not, right. Not with us. It's all but right. You just might get called into a it's, meeting. Hey, I don't mind the meetings. I talk to them all the time. That's good. <laughs> Meet, sometimes meetings are productive. You yeah, know, no, we. I mean, we had a productive meeting. You know. Well, the thing about it is, at the end of the day, is that we're all trying to make everything better. You know, what right? Hundred I mean? percent. It's different when you got somebody just trying to kick a can and, and talk junk and, and jazz. But shoot, we. Man, I, I want our sport to be like a rock concert. Or like so do I. Concert. I want it to be the best thing possible. Absolutely. Because I think that it can. It, it, it's, it's got it. It's got everything. It, you got all. I mean, let me tell you something. NASCAR wish they had what we had. They try to create what we have. The diversity, the the, the parity, yeah. the, the sportsmanship, the the competition, 
the excitement. Why do you think they break the races up in three segments? Right. To make excitement. Yes. Well, our sport has that. Our sport has it where you go up to the stands and watch. Then you come back down to Midway and see what they do. And work on All the car. access. No sport has that. No professional sport has it. Yeah, you, you can't watch a guy go hit a baseball and then go in the dugout. No. And, yeah, and that's go, like, like. And go talk to right, him. Right, like Reinhardt says, like you can't go to an NFL game and go in the locker room and bullshit with the quarterback. Right. You can't at our stuff, though. Absolutely. But you know one thing that we need to challenge to? We need to challenge all of our fans to bring people that they know that they never saw our sport. Yes. We always talk about we need more fans, but our fans need to do more, too. Have you ever had a fan come up that was their first time and say that they didn't like it? Oh, no. I've not no. one time had somebody tell me they did not like it. Never. No. At this race this weekend, I met Tim Brown. Tim Brown was on the start yeah, I met line, him also. Right? I met Tim Brown. Went up there. I said, what's up, Brother Brown? <laughs> <laughs> Brother from another mother. You know what? You know what? I didn't have the heart to tell him that. I was probably faster than him in his prime, <laughs> but I didn't want to tell him that. I, I wouldn't have wanted to challenge that. I, I, I didn't want to mess with him, man. I didn't want to mess with him. But the thing about it was he came out, and the exact words out of his mouth, he goes, this is phenomenal. He goes, I have never, ever experienced something like this in my life. That yeah. means a lot. It says I mean, a lot. You know, this is a man that played in the in the grand Roman stadiums of them all in Hall Oakland. Of, Hall of Famer. Like, boom. Yep, exactly. And he's coming out to our stuff talking about how great it is. Yeah, so. We we got the product. You know. It's just got to get marketed. That's it. It's got to get pushed. It's got to get advertised. It's got to be a challenge. Yeah. And you know what? And I think that's something else that we could work on together with NHRA when NHRA goes. Challenge their fans to bring new people to the track. Yeah. If you bring somebody new to the track. You gotta give him some incentive to do that. Hey, Andy says, uh, "Tell, tell him your nickname." Tell him my nickname. I don't. know. A Andy says, "Ab, tell him your nickname." Andy, who? Andy, Andy who? Nearing. Tell him my nickname. Ab's my nickname. What do you mean, my nickname? Which one are you talking about? I don't know. About? You got you holding out on us. I don't know what nickname you talk. I got a lot of nicknames. Depends on which one he's talking about. Man, I'll tell you what had me cracking up a month or so ago. Was that <laughs> video? That you had of your grandma with that damn it looked like a taser? <laughs> that taser? <laughs> oh man, I was dying laughing. She was serious with that thing. Oh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Next time we go back out on the East Coast and we're there Thursday night, we need to do a show on a Thursday night, and I'll get my grandma on it. We'll do <laughs> oh, a remote dude. show. And and y'all have a blast with her. Y'all She's awesome. We're in. Yeah. She came out there with that taser. I opened the door to see my grandma. She came out there with a taser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is that? She goes, that's my taser. Uh -huh. And I couldn't put that on the other thing on video. She came out with a taser and a flare gun. <laughs> a flare gun. She shot the flare gun up in broad. Day. I said, Grandma, you gonna have the cops all out here, Grandma. She don't and, give a shit. And, and, then, and then she just she's going like this with the flare gun. You see that boy? <laughs> you see that? Oh, everybody's like, duck it, duck it. they're all dipping and diving. And then and she was like, yeah, boy, come here. <laughs> Shut my phone off. I have been in phone. You hear my phone go shwapap, shwapap, from the static electricity from the taser. <laughs> Bought it from a flea market, forty dollars. <laughs> what a deal, right? Oh my That's gosh. Some cheap protection there, man. Shoot, man. Lord have mercy. But man, I tell you what, man. This has been a blast, man. This I'm glad you came on. We appreciate you coming on. Not man. a problem, man. Well, Jr. hit me up. I was like, I'm free. I'm free. Yeah. See, perfect. We We've been, evening. Yeah, we've been talking about it for weeks, so we need to get you on. I mean, Absolutely. one of the great greatest ambassadors for our sport. Oh, man. I By mean, far. You, you look at what Antron's done for our sport. You look at what he does. I mean, 
He's got the looks. He's got the charisma. He's got the talent. And I mean, you, you look at like this is the face of NHRA right here. Oh, you know what no. I mean? So we 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 appreciate you coming on. We love racing against you. Well, not anymore. More. That's we're, it. We're, I'm glad I don't have to we're, race against him anymore. Glad. I am so glad. Exactly. One of the toughest competitors out there, but also one of the greatest friends. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much, Antron. Absolutely. Not a problem. A lot of respect, man. I love both of you guys, and uh, you're definitely the cream of the crop. Trust me. Trust me. One day we might meet again, but I'm enjoying being away from you. Trust me. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll, feel, funny I, car. I'll feel the same. <laughs> Trust me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you tuning in for, to the Nomex Effect. Uh, make sure you check out NomexEffect.com. Go get on them buy, fantasy picks in. Get those fantasy picks in for next week. Go on, buy some swag. and uh, Spread the word about Nomex Effect if you haven't already. Yeah, just like we said about NHRA. Spread the word about tickets. Spread the word about the show. We'd love to have more people listening. Send in your questions. We'll definitely answer everything that you guys send. So thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.